Yeah, sparkle. Topo Chico. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Flashadamus was the one that turned me on to Topo Chico. He, uh, he's got good taste. Yeah, yeah. I was telling him, I was like, yo, I love sparkling water. And he's like, have you ever had this? And I was like, no, tell me more. So <laughs> this is the one. Now it's my favorite. It's also like the most expensive sparkling water I was going to say, this is like the rich guy's yeah. LaCroix. Yeah, he's got like fancy taste for sure. I kind of want to drink it now. Do it, man. I just want to open Dude, one of all of Pop it open. And... Are you going to open that with your bare hands? Well, yeah, it's a twisty. Is it? Isn't it? No. If this isn't, wait. I, really? No, Topo Chico's not a twisty. You're gonna, I'm able you're to hand, twist the cap around, but it, yeah, you're right. Your not, hand's going to bleed. Yeah, do, you, don't, do you have a don't bottle Don't hurt opener? yourself on the podcast, please. I this. do have a bottle opener behind you. Right. Oh, wow. That was impressive. I know. I can tell you've been to a few parties. Yeah, You learn to open bottles. That's impressive. Yeah, you got to try that. That's good stuff. It's like, it's I'm used to just the regular one. This has got the twist of lime. Yeah, you got to have the twist of lime. Mm-hmm. The other one just tastes like tap water that's fizzy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's got a little something, something to it. Yeah. That extra little kick. Yeah. Here, let me go ahead and just open every drink on here. <laughs> just get them all going. I think that's a really good idea. Well, you'll be well hydrated. You're going to have yeah. to pee like 12 I'm gonna times. I'm going to piss so many times during this podcast. That's okay. I usually do. I have a small bladder. <sighs> it runs in the family. Also, are there rules on this podcast? Can I swear? Is yeah, that dude. A th- okay, you can cool. say whatever you want. Cool. This is an all ages podcast, although I'm not sure exactly what the age demographic yeah. is. <laughs> it's all ages so you can say whatever you want exactly that's, what used to that's right yeah that's sick i was told it's like most people are between the ages of 20 and 40 which seems like a reasonable number yeah. for like at home producers that are like getting serious about it you know yeah i feel like people like under 25 don't even like fuck with podcasts at all maybe that's not a thing i don't know i don't know Hold on one second. I'm gonna pull up my notes. Yeah, started let's do it. started prematurely. Yeah, man. Last time I saw you, well, we did like an online lesson together, and that was yeah. my Squishmallows album. Oh yeah, and that was fun. That was good. You gave me some really good sound design notes on it. What I tell you? Uh, you just said it was trash and yeah. you delete it. And I, so I, I didn't start you. it over. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You gave me some good sound design, like a couple different patches and serum. And, uh, like we talked a little bit about, there was not really phasing, but it was more of just, I think adding some more proper harmonics to make it cut through Mm -hmm. a little harder. Um, and then we went down a rabbit trail talking about the Nyquist theorem and aliasing and that was fun. And you did like an hour and a half presentation at the user group here at the KMG studios for the Denver user group for Ableton. And that was awesome. Yeah, I was deep in the technical shit when Dude, I was doing You that. went so deep. Like, I say 30 minutes in, I look at the room and everybody's, like, into it, but, like, half <laughs> confused. <laughs> like, nobody really, like, were like, what words is he using right now? Yeah, this it was is English. Lot. It was a lot. It was good, though. I mean, you had a beautiful, like, PowerPoint presentation <laughs> with, like, pictures and notes. And yeah. it was very technical. Because I, I was building this course, um, and that was where I kind of, like, beta tested it. Um and I, I never really know. It's really hard to teach like a group of people because you just have no idea like what people know already. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to send people off the deep end a little bit because mm. uh, like what what is there even left to say? I feel like people have covered every topic. So it's kind of just like I'm at this point where I want to go to like the lowest level that I can understand and then just go from there. Yeah. Um, Which is probably still higher than like maybe 20% of the people that were there. I mean, maybe. But I think honestly, a lot of stuff that like is really quote unquote technical is actually like simple to understand. Um, 
if you just, mm-hmm. you know, think about it the right way and you don't have to like know math or like any insane shit. It's just like, yeah, concepts. Um, and I probably didn't do the best job of no, <laughs> getting you, everybody <laughs> on board. No, you, like, it was great. It was actually a really great presentation. I think that was one of everybody's favorites when I was helping with Sick. the user group for sure. That's I heard awesome. a lot of positive feedback. Yeah. Yeah, you're a great teacher. Are you you're still teaching these yeah. days like online and stuff, aren't you? Yeah, so I'm still doing online lessons right now. I'm about to actually start like a whole online version. So that thing that I taught um is actually going to be split into like a bunch of modules and then I'm going to be doing like an online webinar and then releasing all the recordings for subscribers and doing like kind of an ongoing version of that thing where it's like starting really low level and then just building out in all these different directions and going over like different styles of sounds and uh, composition eventually and all that stuff. So yeah, still very much a thing. Um, trying to kind of revamp it though, because I've just been doing like one-off private lessons forever, but I really want to do like something more like definitive that I can give to people instead of just kind of trying to like wing it one by one, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Can you move the mic closer to you? Yeah, yeah. See, I this, think there's a gate on it, and so it's like kind of like. This is what I'm telling you, man. I'm really bad at. <laughs> if you just pull it, do a little twist thing. And oh, does this come it. out? It does. Oh, that's yeah. sick. There's okay. lots of options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. That's good. Want to make sure that I, the audio is actually legible this time. Yep. Since the Morgan Page episode. Rest was, in peace. Rest in peace. That was really sad. <laughs> that is really sad. Yeah. Well, you got a couple shows coming up too, don't you? In the nearest future in Denver and surrounding? Yeah, we're doing the Cohen Sound, a couple stops on the Cohen Sound tour. So we're doing here at the Ogden and then um, Hudson and I are doing Edmonton and Portland. And then Andre Copycat is doing, uh, I think he's on the Seattle show also. Okay. Um, So yeah, the three of us are kind of teaming up with those guys for a couple dates um, Dude, I love their stuff. Yeah, well, obviously, fantastic. <laughs> it's top of the sound design game. I know, in man. My opinion, yeah. Some of my biggest inspirations ever. So it's pretty crazy to be, yeah, working with those guys. And that's got to be a cool feeling. Like you get oh, that yeah. opportunity with somebody you looked at up to as like artists and producers. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's been insane. And now, like, so many, like, all the people who are on that lineup are just like friends and people who have been in this scene since well before any of this shit was happening you know um like the fact that Hudson and Andre both got their visas and are able to come perform in the states and do all of these really awesome shows and work with Cohen Sound and we got edit on it and our friend Kai ALF's on it it's just yeah it's amazing <laughs> that's that's really cool yeah, I mean, Copycat, I mean, he was on the podcast a while ago, and he's the actu- actually the one that told me about you. That really? Was, that was probably a year ago. Okay, yeah. That yeah, tracks. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I know Frequent. I know that name. Yeah. I've seen it. Like, I've heard it. And that's how we ended up connecting was because of him. And he's at a coffee shop. I think he's going to come back in a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah. He's been staying with me out here, um, which is surreal, because we had never met until he came out here. But we've known each other for, like, I don't know, 10 years online. So, um yeah, it's been pretty, uh, everything feels like it's coming together lately. We got everyone out in the house. We got, uh, you know, everyone's moving to Denver or Vancouver and seems like seems it seems like, yeah, we're going to be able to make it happen here. So yeah, Denver, I mean, that's one reason why I moved here a year and a half ago. Like the music scene here is glowing up quite a bit for sure. It just keeps happening too. It like does. The people still moving out here. Yeah. <laughs> the goal is just to get all of our friends and producers to get here eventually. Yeah. There's a lot of people who are like pissed about people moving to Colorado, but uh, 
growing up here, like there was not, there's nothing happening when I was growing up here. So I'm kind of just like, get them in here, you know? Yeah. You were telling me that. I was like, it's a 50, 50 split. It's either people like you who are like natives to Colorado, who's like excited that there's more people moving yeah. here and there's more to do and opportunities. And there's other people who drive like pickup trucks and they've got yeah. like, you know, like Confederate <laughs> flags. <people>. Yeah. <laughs> They're dude, like, totally. screw all these people. Moving get these to- Californians <laughs> out of here. <laughs> I mean, I get it. It's definitely become kind of a clusterfuck here. Don't get me wrong. And like, I hate driving to Denver and like, yeah. it's a lot, but also like every cool place is kind of like that now. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's kind of just like, I don't know. Yeah. Do you, do you want to have your friends around and have people care about this place? Or do you want it to just be like desolate? And uh, I know there's a lot of people who would rather it be desolate, but uh, I don't know. I'm pretty stoked to see like the electronic scene thriving and like tons of people I've known for years having a shot to do pretty awesome shit that I never thought I'd see. So totally, man. Worth it, I say. Who who are some like, I guess, up and coming producers that you've either collaborated with or that you've gotten to know recently that you were like stoked about? I mean, just the whole upscale crew out here is like that basically all that um, just a ton of really young guys and people who, you know, are doing something a little different or a little just like something personal to them. My roommates right now are Park with two A's and then Andre's living with me, copycat and then Seb Vidra um, and all of them are insane. And then uh, we got like Izzy Kramer and Artifact Generator, our friend Rasan. Um, and then there's just all the people I've known out here forever, like Tom, Kyoto, uh, John Restraint, and obviously like uh, Detox Unit lives out here, Curtis, Bogshaw. Like there's just so many people who are like from the two eras of my life, like the online people who now I know in real life and are all doing insane shit. And then kind of all the bass music guys who I've met over the years um, who are also doing insane shit, but have just kind of been out here the whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So, like, I'd love to have people learn a little bit more about you if they don't know you already. How did you get started with music? And eventually, how did that lead you to using, like, Ableton Live? With music. So, before I made music, I was so young when I started, first of all. Um, I I had to be, like, 9 or 10. And me and my friends had, like, these shitty little Sony camcorders. And we'd just go, like, film random people and just, like, try and make, like, skits and shit. And the way I got to audio software is we like obviously wanted to try and edit these videos, but we didn't know we were like 10, so we didn't nice. know it was up. Um, and I remember we ended up using my friend's dad's old copy of Mixcraft Acoustica was like the first. Never even heard of it. Yeah, it's just some. That's amazing. It's like some shitty DAW thing. I, I can't even remember what it was like because I was so young. But yeah, we were like messing around with that and like dragging. I don't even know if you can use video in it but we were like editing audio clips and that um and then through that i figured out that there's all these other programs and i got like audacity and i would like edit or just like take a song and just like cut it up in audacity and i was like oh that's kind of cool but yeah overall i just eventually realized that i wanted to make music and i got fl studio and i didn't really get it (laughs) and i tried a bunch of other stuff but ableton was just the most like I still feel this way, honestly. It's like it's it's one of the best because it's just like everything is just in one window, so it's really easy to kind of yeah. understand what the hell is going on. Yeah, compared to FL, which is just like a million windows and just like shit is connected, but like you don't unless you know how it's connected, it just feels really arbitrary. So yeah, I kind of switched from FL to Ableton pretty early on, like within the first year that I started. 
and I had to be, I don't know, like 11 at that point. The old Fruity Loops days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I got uh, I got Ableton and just kind of YouTubed my way to victory, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and no clips. <laughs> Made some terrible tunes. Oh, yeah. Um, but I was in, like, middle school. Like, nobody. And again, this wasn't a thing here. Like, dubstep was kind of big. Um, but there was no like other scenes in Denver. There wasn't like some diverse market of bass music happening. So I didn't have like friends who were into it really. Until I got to high school, I had one friend, my first roommate at the same house I'm at now, uh, Brendan Kovex was. Oh yeah. I know Brendan. Yeah. Yeah. I've known him for a long time. Yeah. He was like my first music friend. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, Yeah. We met in French class. Uh, yeah. We were friends all through high school. Amazing making neuro shit and uh yeah you know, into cohen sound and culprit and all that so small world um should have him on the podcast you should too. hit him up he's in town from time to time i think yeah, he moves LA to la yeah yeah, yeah yeah but he comes back i think he's just here actually he opened up for big g not too long ago yeah and, yeah, yeah he's, he's been crushing man he's been killing it yeah, yeah for he's sure. been playing all sorts of shows and stuff yeah i'm happy for him yeah me too it's great to see everybody <laughs> just kind of blossoming yeah i never uh I don't think any of us expected it to go this way when we were all that young, just kind of doing it for fun. I think that's the best way to get into it, though, is like you don't have those expectations. You're just doing it and messing around. You have no idea what you're doing, but you're having a blast. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where the best stuff comes from, honestly. Exactly. That like playful mentality. We're not trying to force it. You're just enjoying the process. Yep. And then eventually, if you want to commit, it becomes a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. Then you have to use your left brain. And like oh, you have yeah. to get on a schedule. Yeah, and you got to figure out money, which is always fun. Right. You can just sell an organ or something, mm-hmm. you know? Hit the plasma donation center. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of those, I feel like, around here. I've seen quite I live right next to one. We li- uh, where we live is so funny. We live in, in Thornton. We live uh, next to a store called Cigarette. And then we've got Liquor. Oh, wow. And we've got Reptile. And then we've got the Plasma Donation Center. It'd be really hard to compete for SEO for those stores. It's like top of the such line. Such a creative name. For <laughs> creative business names. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I read the other day that you can, it was like uh, $60,000 for a kidney. If you no, to, really? Yeah, if you want to sell your kidney, you can, Damn. You can sell That's, it on the black market for 60 I was going to say, is that black market or is that legit? Well, there are doctors, I think, in Canada and Mexico that like are <laughs> kind of on the grind. Like That's their side hustle that they do, and they're like Flipping actual kidneys. doctors. Yeah, they're like Damn. real professional That's doctors. a crazy side hustle. You know, I respect the hustle, honestly. Like, hard times. Economy, inflation. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. You don't really need that kidney. Right. You only need one. Yeah, right? exactly. You can take medication. 60K? I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, there's pills for that. Yeah. It'd be okay. For real. Yeah. Well, it would be cool for people just to kind of learn some of your like workflows and stuff. I mean, this is like a music production podcast. Sure, yeah. And like, I think you've got a pretty awesome brain when it comes to production and like things that I've seen you teach and stuff. Like, what are some of your favorite like Ableton Live workflows that you think that other producers could like really benefit or just things that you typically do in your workflow that might be beneficial. Ableton workflows. Well, one thing I do that's really obnoxious for me is that I, I kind of don't uh, let myself have like a template or like a thing that I'd rely. So like every time I start something, yeah, I actually like start from scratch and force myself to do really? like every little intermittent step. 
Um, That's interesting. Like why so? Because you hear like a billion tutorials and like tips and stuff about templates, templates, templates. Yeah. Yeah. It's because you just end up doing the same shit every time if you do that. Mm -hmm. Like I think so much people stop learning at a certain point in production because they have become so dependent. I mean, so if you're going to learn any skill, you have to make some habits, right? Like the whole thing is like converting these like very real time conscious decisions into kind of subconscious habitual muscle memory which you need to do but at a certain point once you've done enough of that you actually reach this point where like you don't really need to consciously think about anything anymore if you don't want to and you can kind of just let that side of your brain take over and just do it and so i notice when i teach people like a lot of the problem isn't that they like don't know how shit works like it's never like a technical issue it's always that they've plateaued into this point where they're just kind of recalling muscle memory over and over and over and getting the same result over and over and over. And they're like, well, how do I improve this? And the answer is always just like, well, you got to do something else. I don't know what to tell you. Like (laughs) if you keep doing the same shit, you're just going to get the same shit. And so I think like templates and presets and all of that, while they save you a ton of time, obviously, um, they don't force you to think at all. Like that's the whole point of them is to make it so you don't have to think about it. And, uh, the less you think about what you're doing, the more you kind of just end up in the same spot because you've trained some pathway that works for you. Yeah. And I mean, in a lot of cases, if you don't care and you're just like, yeah, I want to make like this type of track and I know how to do that. And I have a template for it. Like, fine. But uh, for me, I just get really sick of doing the same thing over and over. Sure. Um, so I just don't. I don't know. I feel like there's so many people who have made like if you take like a standard genre piece, it's like there's somebody who's done that way better than I could do it. So I don't really get like, I'm going to just make like another drum and bass song to add to the pile of drum and bass songs. It's like, I'm never going to compete with the dude who's been ripping that for 20 years. You know what I mean? So it's always like, how do you find something a little different or like some other angle to approach it from that's personal and isn't going to just be like the de facto thing that everyone else is doing. Um, And so for me, it's really just like force yourself to find a new way every time. And it's it's like such a waste of time in a lot of ways. But I never feel like I'm making the same song twice ever because I have to do every little bit of it manually, um, which is, you know, maybe not the best workflow if you're all you're trying to do is finish songs. But um, yeah, I don't really care about that. I I see what you mean. Like I get it. To a degree, like, for example, I have multiple templates, but I usually do start with a blank slate. It's just like my yeah. blank my blank slate is like I have like six return tracks with all my favorite effects on it or buses. Sure. And then I've got like my limiter clipper on a master and then that's it. Like, yeah. that's my fresh template pretty much. But yeah, I think if you just keep doing the same thing and you're expecting like to create a different vibe or different results then like if you have a template with all the same sounds already loaded and everything yeah. like then yeah it's probably going to start everything's going to sound the same which could be good i think if you're trying to go for that and have one consistent yeah, sound one for every doing. song then yeah that's because sure. that can be hard for some people it's like i don't know what my sound is and that yeah. can be a real struggle too i think that's but. the funniest problem in music production is like what is my sound <laughs> it's like i don't just do some shit that's your sound yeah. like <laughs> yeah it's just the decisions you would make and i think so many people make decisions that have been kind of assembled for them by other people that Mm -hmm. it just sounds like some 
yeah. sum of tutorials instead of like decisions they actually found on their own. Yeah. Um, and this is why like a lot of the upscale guys are so inspiring to me is it's a lot of people who like maybe don't even have a ton of technical knowledge or do, but never applied it in the sense of like trying to sound like a specific thing. It's like people who have completely figured out their own way of approaching it and thinking yeah. about it and arranging and all of that. And I think that's, that's your sound, right? Is like having a way to apply these things in a way nobody else would. Um, and that's in a lot of ways harder to figure out than like how to put the knob right there. You know what I mean? Like anyone yeah. can learn that, yeah. but learning like a, a way to do it that other people wouldn't do is, uh, I mean, yeah, there's, there's no tutorial out there that can teach you that. So it's harder. Yeah, that's true. Like, let's talk about upscale because you mentioned, it, I don't think people know what that is. Mm. So like, um, it's a music collective that you created. How yeah. long ago did you start that? I think it technically started in 2014. Okay. It's been a while. How long has that been? 12 Dude, that's years crazy. or something? Yeah. Um, Amazing. All right, now that's not how nine math years. works. Yeah, nine years, twelve years. <laughs> what is math? Yeah, so imaginary numbers. Going on, going on ten years. That's how math works. It's wild. Um, yeah, we started it. So it was me and my friend Alden, um, who produces under Evoke, who uh, is kind of under the radar these days. I think he's about to release some more music soon. Um, but he used to live in Boulder, and I'd go to his house all the time. And we were like really in on uh neuro hop forum and this idea of like neuro music which people listening to this part i have no idea like how much people even know that term neuro hop um, yeah or like yeah. neuro in general um but it's kind of just this uh this little niche of music that is an offshoot of like drum and bass respaces and that sort of sound design brought to lower tempos um and it was really big in like between like 2012 to 2016 was kind of the sweet spot where you had all these people out of the UK um, basically spearheading this whole sound. And Cohen Sound was absolutely part of that. And you had uh, Culprit and Sorrow and um, people like... I, who else was on it? The, the earliest Inspected? I remember even like Xylent was on the early, early Inspected. Um, and a lot of these just kind of guys who were doing this new sound, you know, like nobody had really touched yeah. it yet. And, uh, there was a whole wave of kids who were obsessed with that. And there were even a few labels who came out of that, that were kind of like the alternate inspected labels. Um, there's one called caliber music and then adapted records, which I think a lot of people actually know, cause so many yeah. people were signed to it early on, yeah. um, was the like glitch hop label. And it started to like adopt some of these neuro flavors as that was happening mm -hmm. and so me and alden like really wanted to be involved in that whole thing we like really wanted to be on inspected just like all the other kids yeah um and we had no like real in with them and none of that was happening here that was like all actually uk based stuff going on you know like there was no way to kind of cheat your way away. into it yeah and so we were like, okay, maybe we could get on like the, the Caliber or Ammunition or Boca or any of these other like side labels that were doing it. And we couldn't get on those either. And so there was this sort of like, we felt gate kept out of the actual UK thing. And it was because we weren't very good and we were like just kids. But like, uh, there's something about that where we felt like we could make a community for like kind of the Americans who could never get on these like proper UK labels. Yeah. Uh, but we're still inspired by the sound, right? And there are so many people who were 
like obsessed with figuring out how the shit was made because there was no like now you can just go google it <laughs> you right. can go to the cohen sound patreon they'll tell you exactly how they make the fucking sound so they've got awesome tutorials oh on yeah there too i mean, I've watched a few yeah it's really solid there's some of the best so it's like you can definitely uh it's worth learning but that did not exist so there was no everyone was doing the most complicated shit ever just trying to like just pissing in the wind trying to figure out how the hell people are like doing these really really specific things in sound design um and that's where the the forum came from is just like post upon post of people like posting bass sounds and like yeah getting competitive about it and if you can make the coolest ones then like you'd have all this respect out of this like tiny community of people yeah um and i like yeah i remember people like disprove and autica and scope and like all of these kind of these guys that were pioneering this really early frontier of that sound um and so we started the label as a a subsidiary of adapted actually it was like a side label and the whole idea was like we would go and find artists who are kind of like on this new wavelength and bring them into the label and then adapted would push it and advertise it that's really cool i didn't know that yeah and so uh sorry go no, I was just going to say, so like, uh, what did you necessarily do for the artists in that collective? Like, what were you actively doing? Uh, so at, at first it was really just like, get everyone together, get music from them, provide artwork. We had like a designer. Um, and realistically, it was just like, take this music, hand it to the guy who owned Adapted. And th- this is not controversial, but th- that guy would be a complete piece of shit and like stealing everybody's money. Oh, and, no. Like, uh, you know, kind of just disappeared off the face of the earth. Dude, that's a real thing, man. Oh, so common. It's a classic. <laughs> it's crazy how many artists don't really know how to protect their rights and royalties. And Oh, yeah. I mean, and how to didn't. even advocate for themselves, you know, for like an equal split of whatever that is, whether it's shows, whether it's like music rights and royalties, publishing rights. Absolutely. Definitely worth educating yourself in. You know, I was talking with Circa. He owns Entrepreneur. It's like a marketing agency for mm-hmm. musicians and independent artists. And like, he's like the best skill you could teach yourself as an artist, other than just making your own, your music is like learn business, like learn yes. the marketing and the business side. Cause like, you're going to be broke and eating Cheerios your whole life. If you want to make a career out of your art, if you yep. don't learn some of those things. Yeah. Cause everyone's out to just take a slice realistically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we learned that the hard way. I think a lot of people did. And it's not like we were going to make any money off of those releases either. To be fair, it was like, he signed like hundreds of people and was just taking a little bit of money. Oh man, from that all adds these up when you have yeah, all these artists. Totally. And you start to realize like, oh, that's why there were so many artists on this label. So it was just like a business to this guy, at least in the end. At first, I don't think so, because he was actually like putting together something pretty special. I mean, Andre and I were on one of the first adapted uh, like compilations. It was called the Up and Comers compilation. Oh, okay. And um that's how I even like got in touch with a lot of those guys early on. Um, so for what it's worth, I mean, adapted did help us a lot, uh, but it ended up just being like vaporware in the end. So all of that said, <laughs> we started the label and we're working with adapted and having them do the distribution and we just collect music and release it, pass it over to them to get it on all the Spotify and blah, blah, blah. And then, um, you know, 
a few people would hear it <laughs> and that was the label for the longest time yeah um but all like very few of those people are involved anymore like i don't run it with alden anymore i run it with hudson lee um and around like 2016 ish i want to say is like when the new era of the label started and we got like rebranded everything we got a whole new roster of artists and started doing like everything as a collective instead of a label like we don't we're not here to take people's money or like own the rights to anything it's really just like get everyone in one spot and then promote each other's shit and uh it's kind of all it is so what would you say to somebody who say like hey i'm sitting on a couple of these tracks i think it fits the vibe of this collective and this label like what's really the benefit of moving to a collective versus moving to a recognized or sizable label? Oh, it just totally depends on which one specifically. Cause like labels, uh, it's so hard. Um, I think now there's kind of this new thing where like net labels, so a net label is like a label that does nothing but distribute your song and post about it, which is a lot of labels. That's technically what we are. Like we don't really have, we're not doing a ton of things outside of that. Like we'll run some physical merch and like do what we can. But the reality is a net label is just like some intermediary thing that has a bunch of followers that you release on. Um, but I think what we learned over time is that most label releases, even if the label itself is way bigger than you, uh, don't really do shit for you <laughs> in the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. they end up owning your music and taking half of your money and then absorbing a lot of the retention from the release itself in most cases. Um, so I think for labels, like the, the times it's actually worth doing is when they're going to invest in you in some way, if they're going to do some sort of physical release of the thing, or they're going to like, you know, help you get shows or provide actual PR and like pitch the song for publishing or like anything, you know, yeah. but a lot of labels don't, I mean, we don't do really much at all, to be honest, because it's just not what we're, we, we aren't trying to run it like a business. It's really just like a thing to support artists. And I think if you're thinking of signing to a label, it's important to ask yourself, like, are they actually trying to support the artists or is it a business? Yeah. Um, and the line between those things is super blurry and it's not always obvious, but right? A collective is different because there's not like any incentive to actually uh, like there's no profit mechanism. Like I haven't made any money off of upscale ever. It's like a really cool book club. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where you're like with a bunch of homies. And and I find that like in my experience and what I've seen, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. Like in my experience, a lot of times collectives, that is like the added benefit. If like, if they're going to do the distribution and they're going to do the artwork or whatever for you, like that's awesome. Label, yeah. label might do the same, but in the end of the day, it's probably connecting you to a wider network of people in your genre and giving you like even maybe more social clout to like share off of each other and like grow off of each other and piggyback off of other artists in yep. that collective because it's more of like a family kind of vibe than it is like okay this is a transactional vibe if you yep. give us your song we distribute it maybe we'll make a post and then we move on and we just collect your royalties as yep. a lot of bigger labels do for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. I mean, that's the most valuable asset there is. And I think people ask, like people want to get on upscale or like constantly asking about like what they should do to like get their music heard and move forward in their career. And the answer is always just like no more people <laughs> like and no people who are talented, you know, like knowing talented artists is like the only reason I'm doing anything still. Yeah. Um, 
and those are the people who actually have the power to present your music to people and make some sort of difference in the way it's perceived beyond just like because you can have a really small following but be really respected in the producer scene sure and that goes way further than like a bunch of random people respecting you but they don't have any like means of connecting with you other than like maybe ticket sales for a show could be useful but if you're plugged in producer world like everyone wants to support you and it's like this very organic thing yeah you don't have to like go and try and get like yeah reposts and all this shit it just happens yeah and for anybody listening like in my experience and all the people i've met and heard is like it could be really hard to break through the noise and get people's attention if you're trying to get their attention if you want to whether collab or get on like a label or a collective or whatever I don't know. In my experience, it's better just to always focus on building a relationship and what you can give more than you can take, at least in the the, the beginning stages. It's always about like, Absolutely. how can you can contribute and support rather than just trying to take away from right away. Right. And like that makes all the difference. And I think it's it's hard to understand from if you have don't have that connection, because I remember like sending cold demos all over the place. I remember wanting desperately to be on labels oh you know? me too yeah um like it's it's just kind of part of the thing um but eventually you realize that like if you're on the other end of that and you have a community and everybody's trying to get into that community it's like well why do i i we don't need you like what are you actually gonna provide mm-hmm. that we need and the answer is nothing like there's so much good music out there there's so many talented people like you don't yep. really need another guy ever the thing that makes the difference is like, oh, we're like friends with this person and actually like them as a person. <laughs> yeah, like, that's true. That ends up being a lot of times more important than anything else in this whole industry. It's like I know people who like barely even make music, but are awesome people. And yeah. because of that, they have insane opportunities to do things. Yeah. And nobody's even upset about it because it's like they earned it by just being genuine and good to the people around them. And that's like the biggest asset ever is people just like you and then they want to do things for you. Um, And especially if people like you and you're really talented, you just, it just works out. It's a win. Yeah. Yeah. It's a win for everyone. It's hard to explain that to people who don't have the connection yet. Cause it's, you're kind of just in this box isolated. You have no idea how people feel about the music. You have no means of like having these conversations with other producers. So yeah, I think ultimately it's just most important to like organically connect with first other artists above everything else. Like other artists are like the people who have the power to help you and are not going to exploit you usually. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's exactly in line with what um, Odessa's tour manager told me because um, I met him probably like in 2016. And I asked him that question. I was like, hey, for an up and coming artist like myself, like, who wants to go on tour or really connect or be on a label like somebody with Odessa and support? Like, how how could I get there? What's your best advice? And he's like, the first thing is focus on your brand. Yeah. He's like, your brand is like the most important thing as an artist. Because anybody whoever is going to work with you, if you want to really blow up or do something, you need to have a solid brand. And he's like, second thing is it's all about support and relationships. Yep. He's like, be a good person, support the artist that you want to connect with. Post about them on social media, buy tickets to their shows, stick around to the very end of the show when everybody's like drunk and leaves and then yeah. they're tearing down the stage for like an hour and a half and then go up and talk to them and just like tell them like, don't talk about yourself, but talk about like how you want to continue to support them, see what you can do for them. And then, you know, keep building that relationship if you can. And then 
just let them know that you're like still grinding and working on your brand. And if like it works out, then it works out and yeah. like continue to support and then build that relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's how, yeah. Anyone I know who I still want around is just people who were friendly. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. really that simple. There's not any like secret tech to right. actually becoming big in this scene. I think right. like charisma is like the main thing, like it or not. Like if you are good with people, that's really what it is, right? I think we've all been to like a show where we saw the opener and it's like, this is bad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's it might just be because like the headliner, however big they are, probably just loved that person. Yeah, and they probably just, just homie. Home, yeah, just totally throw homies. them on there. You exactly. Know? Exactly. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think people get salty about it because they think that the music scene is like merit based in some way. Which it absolutely is not. <laughs> like you yeah. could be insanely talented, but you aren't owed shit. You have to be friends with people, or it won't ever. Maybe you'll get really lucky. You know, like that can happen. But yeah. if you don't want to count on a coin flip, like you got to get out there and talk to people and be not a piece of shit. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's a hard line to ride for sure. Well, so let's talk about this because it came up on the last podcast, and I don't think every it was like actually really talked about in depth, but like, what is the Nyquist theory? The Nyquist theory? Cause you talked about it on a level that I don't think I've heard before at the Denver user group and it yeah. was good. And everybody's like, this is really wild. I didn't know this. So, I mean, first of all, I'm like no expert on any of this shit, just for the record. Like I know sure. all this off of Google, man. Uh, I know pretty much everything off of Google. So keep that in mind, but Nyquist is just, okay. So the idea is that a computer is sampling out in points, right? Like it is, if you think about your sample rate, it's just like a bunch of dots going horizontally. And that's like how your resolution of the waveform. And so if you have like this thing going up and down, up and down, and you have like, let's say you have four points and the wave will go like up from the first point and down through the second point and then up through the third point and then down through the fourth point. That makes sense. But if you have a wave that's supposed to oscillate like go through the zero crossing and come back up the only between two points. So we're talking really, really fast oscillations. So like ultrasonic frequencies, you can't even hear it usually. Um, if it's going too fast to actually be represented by just two points, like you would have two cycles in between two points. It has to basically interpolate that and say, okay, now this is just one wave instead of two between these two points. Cause we don't have enough resolution to actually make, a wave for each of those cycles. And so you get like these weird artifacts in the audible range because all of these things that are actually really high frequency are so high frequency that the computer can't read it as like two waves and it brings it down to like halves the wave size. So now that's a frequency that's low enough to hear and it comes down here. So Nyquist is basically it's uh, this idea that like there are, there are sounds constantly happening when you do sound design that are way beyond the audible range. And at a certain point, they're too fast for even the computer to actually sample it out quick enough. And so you get like artifacts in the audible range that are generated from these supersonic frequencies that you can't actually hear. Right. And that's what we call aliasing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That makes I don't know if that makes no, sense. No, that was honestly <laughs> one of the best explanations I've heard in person. Sure. About, yeah. And so I thought you did a great job in your presentation. And I've had students ask me that, and I feel like I botched the answer pretty bad, even though I, I know what it means, but like articulating it, that was really good. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. abstract too. But like the the application of that, and like a lot of these things, like um, again, because I don't think technical knowledge is even that important to be creative. 
Uh, but if you know about this, this is like how if you're using operator, like mm. the reason it sounds like that when you do the FM is like a lot of that is aliasing. Because when you do FM, you're immediately generating harmonics like well past the audible range and right. then you get this distortion. Yeah. And uh, people usually talk about aliasing like it's this bad thing, but it's actually like how you get cool sounds out of FM a lot of times. Yeah. Aliasing is not inherently bad. No, nothing is inherently bad. Yeah. And a lot of and a lot of like like Pro-Q2 and plugins or whatever already have aliasing built into them like that filters to like work with aliasing for yeah. that purpose so, absolutely i mean yeah. a lot of things do yeah. i mean distortions uh that's like what oversampling is is it artificially increases the sample rate so that it's faster like has enough resolution to not alias um which in some cases you do want and in some cases you kind of want it to sound like shit you know <laughs> sometimes that's <laughs> not bad yeah like a lot of times actually right. so um, it just kind of depends what you're going for a lot of times. I think there's so much like conventional wisdom and like mixing advice that comes from an era of like, you're trying to make it not sound like shit. Yeah. And now there's so much music where like the whole point of it is that it has like some distorted character or some like yeah. evil muddiness about it, which is, I don't know, like whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Especially know? in the the music world you live in with bass music. Cause yeah. a lot of it is just sound design and just tweaking stuff until it sounds cool. Really just cook it. It doesn't matter. Just keep baking it. And that's one thing that I think like makes your music really original and stand out is you can hear that like really abstract playfulness in the production process. Like, cause you're making, like you said, a lot of these sounds from scratch, like you don't even work from a template. So you're just like, just probably freezing and flattening the crap out of a lot of these sounds and just like re distorting them or doing other stuff to them and filtering them. And yeah, just make a giant chain. Yeah. Just a huge chain until your computer cries and then flatten it. Yeah. A lot of times people like ask me how I make a sound and it's like, I just didn't stop where you would have stopped 20 effects ago. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, there's no like secret thing, you know, you just keep doing shit and eventually you'll get something interesting. Um, and that's the non-technical aspect of it is it doesn't really, there is no like right or wrong way to do anything. People are just very like careful about it and mm, like yeah. don't want to like ruin it. And I'm kind of just like, I need it to be ruined to be interesting because I've heard every sound up until that point. So I got to just like add another thing and add another mm. thing. Um, and then suddenly you get something novel, but it's not out of you being like smart. It's just because you've like, made so many arbitrary decisions that you're suddenly in a new place. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. To, I used to be way too like precious and careful with my music. And yeah, then I just exactly. found myself like my sounds were like very boring. Sterile. Just yeah. Sterile. Yeah. yeah. That's a good word. You gotta cook it. Cook it up, man. So what would you say are like some of your favorite go to Ableton audio effects? Mm, I don't know. I like them all, honestly. I mean, that's not a very good answer, I guess. All of them. Yeah, they're all good. There's there's really not any that I think aren't good. I use some of them more than others. Like, OTT is obviously yeah. one of the best, but, like, they're all good. I use the Amp. I use Corpus. I use new phaser flangers. Actually good. The old one was terrible, but the new one's great. Yeah, I never used the old one. <laughs> I don't know what was going on with that. Yeah. Uh, some people loved it and are, like, upset that they changed it, but I think the new one's great. Um yeah, I'm trying to think of like any that I don't use. They're all. I use Redux way more now since Live Eleven because oh, yeah. they redid the better interface. Too. And yeah. It has a dry wet now in it, which is nice. Yeah, Redux is nice now. Um, 
Shifter's pretty dope. Yeah, new Shifter stuff I'm here for. All of it, you know? I mean, that's why Ableton is good is because it just has, like, like technically you have everything you need out of the gate. You don't really need any extra shit. I remember for years, I actually insisted on using all Ableton stock. Like, I wouldn't even use VSTs or anything for a while. Really? Wow. Just because I was like, the limit is me. It's not the tools. You're right. And then now I'm kind of the opposite. It's just like, give me every... <laughs> Just like I just need something to put in here. It doesn't really matter what it is. Like the more random shit you have, the yeah. more options you have to make a new sound. So true. Yeah. I mean, uh homemade spaceship Rob, he just like yeah. said hello in the window. I just saw him walk by. But he was showing me a track he's working on the other day, and he's been running and processing like his vocals through spectral resonator, which yeah. is like a freaking awesome. Like I think I enjoy that more than I do the vote vocoder and you can get a similar effect or sound out of spectral resonator yeah things incredible all those dylan bastion like he's mad did he make <laughs> spectral resonator yeah he made all of the like max uh natural what i can't remember what the hell yeah the uh natural selection or no not no, natural selection natural you know talking about um, i know what you're talking about it has inspired like inspired by nature inspired by nature yeah yeah not natural selection. close enough that's <laughs> <laughs> very different <laughs> <laughs> um, he's got like the tree tone thing and I'm pretty the sure he made notes. spectral resonator did he not I don't yeah. know I'm um, not sure I knew he made the inspired by nature pack yeah yeah maybe he didn't make that maybe I shouldn't uh, but it's it's similar to a lot of his shit it makes me feel like he probably did at least work on it but what do I know it's very possible um, but he's yeah brilliant. all those are crazy like yeah they're wild there's, yeah, do you have some favorite packs that you typically go to? Mm, like Max packs? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I don't have, like, I, I really just, like, have a million VSTs, a million Max for live devices, a million samples, and I just kind of, like, wade through them. I, like, yeah, I don't have a... <laughs> do you make a lot of your own racks? And nope. then just save them? <laughs> Absolutely not. I don't no. save presets. Really? I don't save racks. I don't save anything. I just open it and wing it. I feel like that would take a lot longer for me to make music. Oh, it absolutely does. Yeah. But like, I also like, I don't know. I, I think efficiency became way less of a priority at a certain point for me. Um, okay. Because I don't, I'd rather have a few songs that I really like than like a million songs I don't give a shit about that are done. Mm. You know what I mean? So your perspective is, it's like, even if it takes me a lot longer to finish, uh, you're, you're just wanting to be able to be surprised by whatever you get every time. Basically. Yeah. I just want to actually be engaged with it. Like the, the aspect of like building your own puzzle that you solve is really interesting to me instead of just like, well, here's all the pieces, just put it together like a Lego. It's like, no, I got to make the fucking bricks, man. And I got to, <laughs> you know, pour the concrete. Yeah, exactly. There's yeah. something about that. And also it's like, if you work that way, you just get way faster at doing everything because you can't, you have no crutch. There's no like mm. thing to rely on to make it work every time. So now if I got to start a song, it's like, I can get you something going in like 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Um, it's a good enough idea to make a song out of, but obviously it's way slower than watching somebody who has it all pre-mapped and it's just like ding 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 there it all is yeah um but i don't I, part of the thing that's fun is like figuring out what you're gonna do to me like the if i just have a preset it's like i already know what the song is gonna sound like to some extent because i've used this sound a million times and i am familiar with how it responds and like 
what behaviors to expect. But if I start from a patch I've never even heard before, it's like I'm I'm having to like learn it as I go and like work with it and lean into what's working and like actually feel like I'm responding to what's going on. Otherwise, I just feel like kind of a like a robot, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess I, I get it. I'd, I'd like to save and organize a lot of stuff because I feel like it is a shortcut for me. Well, you shouldn't do that. That's bad. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong, Dan. should delete all of it. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I'm one of the only people I know who doesn't. It's yeah. like kind of insane. Well, actually, Grizz does a similar thing. I heard him on a podcast and he basically said he doesn't use templates either. He just starts from scratch every mm-hmm. single time, which is wild to me because I feel like he has a very consistent like sound yeah. sound. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, which like I was shocked to hear that. And obviously he's a big, big name. So he's crushing it and he's got a lot of streams, but really interesting. Yeah. Templates are tough. Like I think they, they are as helpful as they are a crutch, like as with anything. It's it's like habits, right? Like you have to learn how to do shit automatically without thinking about it to be good at anything. Yeah. But then that also becomes the thing that limits you the most at a certain point. Mm. So it's a, a balance there, right? Of like, how much do you want to be done for you so that it's easier versus how much do you want to like actually learn something new and like make a decision you wouldn't have otherwise? Yeah, I think that's that's a key part too, is just constantly being in that state of learning. Mm-hmm. A lot of the success I've had just with this podcast and my own music and journey and music is like, I've always really tried to have a passion for learning sure, in some yeah. respect, you know, like even if it's like stupid little facts that I pick up along the way, like I just always want to stay passionate about learning something new, whatever it is. And especially with music production, like you have no reason not to continue to learn. Yeah, and it's grow. infinite. It's there's just like, yeah, there's so much knowledge that's just like available on your internet and you can consume just sitting on the toilet for 15 minutes. You can learn so much oh, yeah. on YouTube. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, I didn't, we didn't have that. I feel like when I was in high school, like, yeah. Um, I mean, it was just starting to be a thing yeah. when I was getting into it. And most right. of the info was like completely worthless other than like the basic basics. So yeah. like, I understand that feeling. And I think, yeah, there's now kind of a disconnect with people because like, there's almost too much information mm-hmm. available. And yeah. You don't even know what's real. And, and what's it's hard not. to trust some people. It's <laughs> exactly. like some 17 year old kid. who's yep. like, this is the only way to mix. And this yep. is how you have to do it. And it's like, nah, dude. Absolutely. And like, there's so many educational platforms and schools and YouTube channels yeah. and like people doing private lessons and yeah. all of, and it's all great. Like, obviously I'd way rather if I had those resources, shit would have been way easier for me. So for sure. I'm not against it, but I think people fall into the trap of just kind of like blindly trusting resources that aren't really going to give them knowledge that allows them to get past that threshold of just mm. kind of like regurgitate some predetermined ideas yeah. back over and over and over, you know what i mean 100 percent. you hear that bass yeah what is that <laughs> that's studio a we've got a thick door in a soundproof yeah, room and i can hear the bass just thumping ripping. it's probably andre <laughs> probably probably is. he just went in there just took over the room just testing out some bass that's hilarious so like talking about learning and music stuff like if you had to go back like knowing what you know now to yourself like starting specifically with like music production like what advice would you give your to yourself back then oh stop worrying about sound design really of course it was such a waste of time 
What do you, so what do you mean? Like, like learning about sound design, like, or is that because like you got too worried about what you're doing right and wrong or is that? Oh, because- it's just a distract, like making good sounds is easy. You can just do random shit and you'll eventually get a good sound, but you can't do random shit and eventually get a good song. Like songwriting and arrangement is all that matters at all. Mm. And you can just use anything as a sound. And mm. I think myself and so many other people were so caught up in the idea of like, if I can make this neuro bass, then it'll be sick. Mm. Um, and if you listen to my old, old music, if you can find it, it's like, I figured out how to make a neuro bass. My music is not sick <laughs> at all. Like it's not, it's like not your musical. Yeah. Um, because I wasn't a musician, you know, I was, I dabbled with guitar for a while, but like, I didn't, I had no idea how to arrange a song or anything. And I remember, um, like when I first started trying to work with people, like artists who I, re- I remember when I was like in high school and I got a collab with scope and I was so excited for that because he was like one of my biggest inspirations. And I, I would like work on it and send him the thing. And he's like, dude, you gotta have like a riff or like a musical idea in this like there's just nothing here and then he would send it back and it would just be like a thousand times better just because he just put like an idea in the song i'd try and work with them i was so out of my depth and it just never went anywhere i like haven't talked to him since that like it just went so poorly um and no no bad blood against him because he was right and i look back on that it was like a huge learning moment for me because like i always looked up to him as like this crazy sound designer and I had access to all, he like sent me a giant folder of drums and basses and sounds and shit. So I literally just had all of it. And that was all that was left to do was to actually like put it into a song. I couldn't fucking do that to save my life. So like, that's the main piece of advice is like arrangement matters is, is it nothing else matters. Everything else you can learn really easily. Like if you have a problem mixing a song, someone can get in there and be like, Oh, just like EQ that like that. And it's very one-to-one if you're you don't know how to make a sound you can just watch some guy like put 35 effects on a saw wave and you're like oh that's a crazy sound i guess i can just do random shit and eventually i'll make a sound you just record it out and there you go but like if your song is not an interesting piece of music then like what can you really expect anyone to say they can teach you how to like or maybe even just show you how they would arrange it you know what i mean and like fix it and redo it but that's not it's so much more abstract and kind of the one thing that can't be transferred one-to-one is how to actually be creative and actually like write an idea um that's the thing that you're doing and like nobody wants to learn that because everything else is so much easier to learn yeah yeah i remember uh quincy jones is reading this book called 12 notes on life and creativity it's like one of the best books out there it doesn't really teach you how to make music but it's like gets you in a really good headspace and he talks about his successes and how he got there. But he talked about that. He's like, he calls songwriting, like his songwriting process. He always does like the goosebumps test. Like he'll leave it alone and then come back and listen to it. And if it gives him some kind of goosebumps or a feeling, then he knows it's going to do that for somebody else. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's true with songwriting too. Morgan page mentioned that he's like, always focus on songwriting before mixing or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Just because in the end of the day, like if the songwriting is there and it sounds good, like, yeah, the mix might not slap perfectly, but it, people will still like a crappy mix. That's if the this, thing yeah. people don't realize is like mix downs are like actually not even unless they're like so bad that the song is unlistenable. Yeah. If it's passable, it's good. Yeah. If it, the idea is good, if the idea is great and yeah. the mix is passable, the song is still great. Really good reminder. You know? Yeah. But if the mix is great and the song sucks, the song <laughs> still sucks no matter what. So like, True. it's a way harder problem to solve. 
Exactly. Um, and I think, yeah, that's kind of like through all the teaching I do, it's like you always just hit this wall of like, I can't teach you how to arrange a song. I can only teach you how to like try to abandon all of these kind of predetermined paths you take every every time like get rid of the templates get rid and even beyond templates it's like even if you take everyone's templates away they have like in their mind a template of how to do like oh i need drums well i always just open a drum rack and put these specific samples in and then i put the tempo to this and then i put these here it's like everyone's kind of built these pathways and the only way around that is to like get away from it and actually focus on being creative in a new way, like without all of these crutches. And through that, you actually train like songwriting and generating ideas. And I think if you can get good at making an idea, then like the rest of it kind of doesn't matter. And I've, this has been made so clear to me through a lot of the friends I have now, like don't know fucking anything about production really, at least compared to like the nerd people who I, hang out with and consider myself to be who have spent way too much time thinking about like how sound design works and all these like really low level things. And I go look at like, you know, people who honestly don't know about that or care about it at all, or even try to do it well. And they're some of the best sound designers I know and some of the best musicians I know, and they just sit down and wing it. And it's amazing. And it took nothing. (laughs) And I think about all the time I wasted Dude. just trying to be able to do that. But yeah. I was not learning that. I was yeah. learning how to like sit in serum for five hours and just wah, wah. <laughs> it's just like that. You're not doing anything, you know? Yeah. I don't know about you, but it, and I think I've said this before, but like, it always seems like my favorite and best music takes the least amount of time to produce. It just kind of yeah. happens and it flows out of you and you're not overthinking it. Exactly. And sometimes I have to like really grind on something just to get it to the place of where I feel like it's perfect. But even though the per- word perfect doesn't really exist anyway. So no. yeah, I just like, I think getting in that flow state and not overthinking it and trying new stuff and having that like playful production mentality, like you were saying, I think is really important. One thing that did help me with songwriting in the past was using locators and just like structuring a map of my song. And maybe I didn't follow it perfectly, but at least it gave me a roadmap. I'd be like, Oh, here's 16 bars uh, for like the drop. Here's like eight bars of like a buildup. And then just kind of like kind of structuring and moving stuff around inside of that framework. Interesting. Has like helped me. And I, other like before producers. you make it, you'd like set it up. Yeah. Like, like yeah, exactly. That's interesting. Or, or even dragging another track as like your reference track obviously because referencing is helpful but i disagree with everything you're saying but please tell me more you don't use references at all Fuck no i hate reference tracks really i think it's a terrible idea make your own music (laughs) (laughs) why because here's the thing A, a song is like a series of like compounding decisions right it's like if you're gonna use this one kick drum in your own song, like say you're starting from a kick drum, you've just made a bunch of decisions without even knowing it because now every single sound has to sit with this one kick drum. Okay. And this is it happens with every sound against every other sound. So it's like this massive cascading tree of decisions. And they will never be even remotely the same as somebody else's right. things. So like what's working in that song is never going to apply to your own song ever at all. I, I totally agree. I, I know what you're saying and I agree with that. I think for me, if my room is not 100% perfectly treated, yeah, it's sometimes <laughs> good to have a reference point for how hard sure. or how loud a bass is hitting. And I'm not trying to like 
perfectly mix exactly like that other track. It's to give you an idea of if you're even doing it exactly because well yeah. like your ears will play tricks on you. Like that's just being a an imperfect human. And so sometimes I think it's a good to have a reference point. Not that I'm trying to sound exactly like that track, of course. but it gives me kind of a way to just retune my ears to jump back into my song. I don't think it's actually a bad thing. Um, yeah. I I'm just very like because people want to do this. When uh, when I'm collaborating with them, sometimes they'll be like, oh, let's listen to this song. And I'm like, no, like, no, because <laughs> then I'm immediately thinking of my song in terms of this other song. Yeah, and it's and like that comparison can kill the vibe. Absolutely. Like, and it's like, I want to trust myself to do it well without needing to know how someone totally. else did it. And also, there's been so many times where I'm referencing something, trying to like understand why their thing sounds good and mine doesn't. And eventually you realize it's like, Oh, because every single element has a little something different to it that I d can't pick up on in the nuance of like all these things combined. Um, sorry, it's not to. Like, no, no, this is. I'm here for all the conversations. Of course, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I agree and disagree. I think I will always probably use reference tracks, but I think there is a danger in that of wanting to compare the quality and how good your mix is to somebody else's. Because the sonic capabilities of the samples and the, the chains that they're building is not going to be exactly as yours. Yeah. So I agree. Like, I think that could be a slippery slope. But it helps me recalibrate my ears to see if I'm in the ballpark of where something's yeah. hitting. It is yeah. nice to put it on and be like, okay, my song doesn't sound like shit right. compared to this song. So that's a <laughs> totally. good sign. I think that's like probably the best litmus is like if you can go listen to something else and go back to your yeah. thing and it doesn't sound like right. weird, then right. that's a good thing. Um yes. But I also think that mixing is like such a and nobody wants it to be because everyone wants their song to like be objectively good, whatever yeah. that means. But I think when we were talking earlier about like I want to find my sound, like so much of that is in the way you mix mm. and like the decisions you make about like the timbre and overall like something I've learned working with a lot of people is that like people's hearing is so different. You know, I have a lot of friends whose hearing is fucked they can't like hear high end at all <laughs> went to too many shows without earplugs yeah yeah or like we're in drum lines or worked certain jobs or oh, yeah. whatever and it's just like when we're working on shit we are not hearing the same thing even yeah, and like it's there was real i listen to people's music who i think is like too bright or too dull and it's like well that's part of like who they are because they are hearing it differently than me and like everybody is hearing it differently and listening on different shit like there is the the thing that's like kind of liberating about mix downs is that there is no mixed like there's no objective mix down because every single person who's ever going to hear the song is going to hear it on a different system through a different set of ears so like the song doesn't actually sound a specific way it's like always always contextual and in some conditions it's going to sound good and in some conditions it's going to sound terrible and that's just kind of like what it is you yeah. know what i mean no i totally i hear what you're saying i think it also it also depends on the intention of where that music is going to be played yeah of course so for like for example if you're producing a track for commercial or for like netflix or something you're gonna have to hit a certain amount of luffs you're gonna have to mix for that kind of yeah, thing that's got to be like as like rounded as possible right yep. yeah and if you're wanting to mix for a dubstep DJ set, mm -hmm. you're going to have to smash it to like get it's it to be, be as loud. <laughs> yeah. You got to clip the crap out of that thing to get it loud enough. So it doesn't sound really awkward when you transition. So I think context is really key too with like 
finishing off the mixing process, you know? Absolutely. And like, you can design it for certain types of systems. Um, I like, this is an interesting thing too, though, because a lot of people are like, oh, you can't have like stereo sub is like the one you hear all the time because like the sub's going to get some to mono or like it better have good mono compatibility so that people who listen in mono can hear the song still. And I'm like, who the fuck is listening to a song in mono? Like, have you tried summing any song to mono? It always sounds bad for the most part. (laughs) Like I remember uh, for a little bit, we had one of those Amazon Alexa things at our oh, house. Yeah. This is the first mono speaker I owned and you'd play music off of it and the like little hockey puck looking one. Well, there's the there's no, it was like the big ass oh, the tower Alexa. Yeah. yeah, you got the fancy one. God, everyone in our house hate was, was just saying such horrible things to Alexa <laughs> every day. Um but yeah, it was, it was so weird to hear like every single piece of music you'd put through it would have like a different type of fucked phasing issue because it's mm-hmm. a mono speaker. I don't know. How are you going to ever you're going to mix for Amazon Alexa. Get the fuck out of here. Like nobody cares. So it sounds like on that. Well, dude, that's like the, the sad thing about the world we live in today is like people listen a lot of times on their crappy iPhone speakers. Well, of and course. so like I have to reference on my iPhone speaker. Cause do I know you or do you have to make music for those people? You know what I'm saying? I mean, if those are the, if that's how a lot of my audience is going to be listening to the music, then I want to make sure it sounds good in all the speakers, but that also can be, that's yeah, a weird challenge, right? Yeah. yeah I, I submitted that, like, if it sounds good on my speakers, that's the only place I'll ever hear it. And through that, it's like most people are like, yeah, it makes sounds pretty good. Maybe that's how you're able to finish and release music consistently starting yeah. without templates. <laughs> Absolutely. You just got to let go. Like, I yeah. think people are like, just care about all of it so much. Mm, care yeah. about the sound design, the mix down, making sure it's all perfect. It hits the right luff. Yeah. People are like mastering their songs and like, dude, I don't, I literally just like slam it into pro L listen once on my speakers. And I'm like, that's good. And you just render it. That's beautiful. I, so hope to get, I hope to get to that point soon. Yeah, You can start right now, but I can't <laughs> <laughs> try less. I don't know. <laughs> just don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And that's honestly good advice really to a point. It's just to care less and stop being so pretentious about your own music. That's a real thing. Actually, I I have you to thank for really pushing me to start mastering my own tracks because yeah. I got to a point where I was like paying out the butt to having some really legit talented mastering guy who was way too expensive yeah. in LA to do some of my masters. And he's got a full analog setup and like sure. he runs it through his chain once. It's like there's no revisions. Yeah, yeah. And he nails it. Like I've liked the work he did, but you're like you told me you're like, dude, mastering's a scam. It kind of well, unless <laughs> and, you're a band, and I, and I totally agree now. Yeah. Like after thinking through our conversation, I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, and I I have mastered my own stuff. I've done a lot of that, but also like, I'm coming back to the point of where I just want to be mastering all of my own stuff now. Yeah. Instead, and before I was like, maybe I'll save some time, even if I'm spending a little bit of money having more other people do it. But I went back and I'm like listening to those tracks that that guy mastered and even though it sounds good i'm like what if i wanted to go back and remix it or whatever like it's not going to sound the same yeah now it's like forever you need this guy completely different sound yeah (laughs) Yeah, i'd have to send him a whole new version all over and wait on him just another crutch yeah exactly so i totally agree and think that like mastering your own stuff should be 
something you work towards 100 yeah, percent. i don't yeah. even like when it's, you say mastering i'm not even kidding when i say i just limit the fuck out yeah, of it and, and that's, that's that's my master like exactly I, don't, I think people think it needs to be a whole process no. but it doesn't like is if the, does the song sound good yes you nailed it done the mixing really <laughs> is the new mastering yeah absolutely <laughs> it is and i i think a lot of it is just like these i, I don't want to like completely delegitimize mastering because i think it came from a real place, you know, like at one point in time, making a piece of music was like a job for 20 people, you yeah. know, oh, you yeah. had a whole band, a mixing guy, you had the producer, you had the mastering engineer, yep. you had so many people who this whole like, like chain of command where everything yep. would get passed along. And I think once everything was consolidated into DAWs, uh, people kind of held on to that conventional wisdom. And a lot of it still does apply. Like, a lot of these mixing things and like don't have stereo this and like mix to the kick drum and like hit this luff level and gain stage, blah, 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 comes from like the era of recording bands. You know what I mean? And I think for that, it's probably legit advice. But like, I don't know anyone who's doing that. Everybody's just making like weird sounds and shit in their own thing. So I think now that we are expected to be like all 20 of these people at once, the first thing people on the education side want to do is like re-split that up into separate things that you can individually learn. But it's all like totally illusory. Like, honestly, you aren't doing a bunch of different things. It's one process. It's just like arrangement, mixing, sound design, mastering yeah. is literally just like, did you put all the clips in good and does it sound good? And that's it. <laughs> like, yeah. there's no like separate step. If you're like, taking a second session to mix your songs, it probably means that you like didn't make the sound good to begin with. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah. a lot of it can just be like, as I'm dragging a sound in, I immediately notice like, Oh, I need to EQ that a little bit. So I just do it. And that's like both mixing and sound design and arrangement. It's like all of it at once. And the less you try and split it up into these stages, cause it isn't real. Like it's realistically, you can just like, do everything in one go and hit render. And that's a song. And there's not really any need to separate it because nobody ever sees the other side of it. Like nobody has any idea what you did to that song to make it other than you. It's true. That's true. I guess unless you're like working with like some orchestra for yeah. like, you know, something else. But if you're like producing and writing your own music, like there's no reason not to learn how to do all those things. Absolutely. And to realize that they're not even different. It's just like one thing and you can do it all in one go. And like, of course, if you're recording bands or like doing anything that's like more technical than like, I just want to make a song, <laughs> right? then I think that there's a lot of like, I mean, shit that I just don't even know about. Like if you want me to like mic a drum kit properly and like process it into something that sounds good for a band, like I just couldn't. I have no idea how any of that works, but that is not that that type of wisdom almost is like irrelevant to like a guy who's just like you hand me a drum sample and I'm just going to ruin it on purpose <laughs> and be yeah. like that's sick and yeah. I don't think it needs to be uh like you don't need to think very hard about it yeah people want to think really hard about it it's true <laughs> no, I mean I'm a as a drummer like I started doing drum covers and that's actually how I got into electric music uh electronic music because like I was doing drum covers and I was like my drums sound bad yeah. like how do I make this better and then I was like Ooh, sound design. Like, how does a compressor work? Like, yeah. how do I not have phasing problems with like five mics? Like mm -hmm. all this other stuff. And I think that knowledge is also really valuable too. 
of course to, to learn even just like the proper mic placement and stuff like that because that's half i don't know i love collecting samples and then smashing them yeah but like if you get a better recording with a microphone to begin with it's going to sound better in the end exactly so like and that's like a technical thing like yes. there's no way to like wing recording a drum kit and have it sound like actually studio grade professional. Unless you're using MIDI triggers. I guess. Yeah, that's a thing. Should get Roland to sponsor this podcast. You should. Roland, where are we at? Get out here. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, they make great, great triggers. Yes, Superior Drummer is probably one of my favorite like drum plugins. I mean, yeah. it sounds incredible. And that kind of circumvents all of that, right? It does. Somebody mic'd it up for you. Totally. And now it's just back to like, you're just a guy making creative decisions. 100%. You don't need to know shit. <laughs> yeah. I used to mic my kit and now I just like play my electronic kit or like put triggers on my acoustic kit and just superior drummer just always sounds good. Yeah. And it's fun. Like it doesn't yeah. need to be, it's so interesting. Like you can make it as technical as you want, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think it's helpful to know the basic rules so then you could break them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is like what the whole course is about, right? Is like, instead of giving conventional wisdom of like, you always mix to here or like this, it's really just like, how do these tools actually work? Like what the hell is going on under the hood? And then from there you can like be, do all sorts of shit in any direction. You can break it. You can try and use it the way it's supposed to be used. You can think about it in whatever abstraction you want, but knowing like, on the lowest level, just like what is even happening, I think is kind of, it seems useless because it's so abstract. Like we were just talking about like Nyquist and aliasing and stuff. It's like knowing what aliasing is doesn't really make you better at FM, but it does allow you to do a bunch of clever things with the concept of aliasing, if you think about it. And so, uh, yeah, I think a lot of the most useful information is just like, so far low level that it's like you you have to be creative to even apply it instead of just being like well you're always gonna want to roll off your kick at 80 hertz so it doesn't interfere with this like those sort of like hard and fast rules i'm not really about it's really just like how do you get abstract without losing people <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah definitely I don't know. I have to pee so bad. Dude, right I'm just drinking a million yeah, I've things. I've never so. <laughs> you have to be so well hydrated. I've watched you drink five different drinks it's during this podcast. I'm down to pee. Let's pee. All right, let's do a pee break. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. We are back. That was much needed. Yeah, that was good. That was really nice. We were just talking about your course. You've got this website course. Yeah. What are, what are you teaching in that course? Tell us about it. I mean, so it's kind of... Again, that thing I taught here was um, sort of a beta test of going into sound design fundamentals and then using that as a basis to explain all of these different sort of types of sounds. So like starting from like Fourier transforms and Nyquist and all of that shit and then going into, you know, like basses and then like glitchy stuff and then like melodic sounds and then going into like audio versus MIDI and all these different like anything I can think of, but using this sort of like fundamental basis of like these low level things that almost seem too abstract to matter, but then showing you exactly why it does matter and how to apply it in real time. Um, and I'm working with, uh, Mr. Bill's new manager, George, um, is helping me build out uh, a whole new website. It's going to be frequent dot audio. I have no idea if it will exist already by the time this comes out. My old website still exists, but yeah, basically he's actually helping me build, 
um, it'll be a subscription that integrates into Discord, which is pretty cool. So Ooh, like fancy, if you subscribe, you get in like my Discord and you get all these private channels and you can come and join like the live. I'm going to stream all of the lectures that I do. Oh, so if you're a subscriber, you can like get the opportunity to come get a seat and watch me do the thing and ask questions. And then all the recordings of that go um, on to you get both the Discord and like private parts of the website. So you can like you know, go click a link from Discord that takes you to the website and you get like private embeds of all the previous recordings and stuff. That's, um, that's cool. That sounds like a lot of good resources. Yeah, it's awesome. And like, I'm way too dumb to build it. So <laughs> bless you, George, for making that happen. Are you going to like allow subscribers to also access your OnlyFans when oh, they join? Of course. That's okay. like the main reason you just right. can't advertise it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like you got a lot more subscribers just now. You don't want to know what's on this website. <laughs> just holding patch cable. <laughs> yeah. It gets real weird. Patch cable bondage. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, man. You got to give the people and the fans what they want. That is what they want. They <laughs> it's what they're up. asking for. I know it's what you guys want. <laughs> oh, that's great. So when is that available? You said you're not quite sure. Uh, it's almost done being built. Um, Hopefully, what is it? It's October now. Hopefully sometime this month. When is this coming? I guess it doesn't matter. But like, that's a really good question. I'm honestly like way overbooked, like too many podcast episodes back to back. So now they're stacked back like a month cool. and a half. So neither of us know. Is no, the I could probably find out <laughs> if I had to guess, I'd say like early November. Okay, then we're going to, I'm going to be confident and say frequent.audio, get in there. It's yeah. live right now. It's, and it's live ready now, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, whenever now is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been working on behind the scenes. Um, it's kind of just trying to build a definitive course that isn't me just winging it in front of people all the time. Um, cause that's, uh, kind of my MO if you haven't noticed that about me, but I, I do think it'd be good to have a thing that I can send people to. That's like, this should answer like 90% of your questions. And then if you have something you want to figure out specifically, like hit me up, we can do a lesson or whatever. Yeah. But. Yeah. I did a lesson with you and it was great. Like yeah. I, it was really good feedback on my track that was like 90% done. Um, and you gave me some really good tips and things to tweak. Yeah. So well, you definitely recommend it. Anybody listening, if you want track feedback or whatever, like hit up Nolan. Yeah. Hit me up. Yeah. Give me some money. He's a nice guy. Give me your money. <laughs> open your wallet. Yeah. Open your hearts. Open your wallets. That's right. It's worth it. So what uh, what upcoming projects other than your website and teaching is is coming out into the world? You mentioned shows, Cohen Sound. Congrats. That's really cool. Yeah. We got that going on. Um, this week is McCrum week. So everyone in my house is releasing a track every day this week. And uh, the one that just, it actually just released like now while we're doing this. No way. Uh, we did a song. Uh, all four of us worked on a song using samples of my cat, Lucy. Uh, That's, I love that. That's fantastic. Can we like pull that up? Yeah. Yeah. And listen to it. It's going to be meow Monday. On, meow. On, Mon what a great track name. Oh, it's not even distributed. This one we literally made yesterday and the day before. Oh, so, so it's not out. It's on it was... SoundCloud only. Cause we didn't have time oh, to dude. distribute it. The rest of them. So I have a song that actually the distro got messed up. So it's out right now, but it's supposed to come out tomorrow. And then, um, <laughs> Seb's song is on Wednesday. Uh, Andre Copycat song is on Thursday, and then Sadler uh, Park is his song is on Friday. So it's we called have Meow Meow Monday. One word or two? Uh, two words, I think. Uh, is it frequent? Uh, I don't know. I did. Yeah, is this it. Is. That's Upscale. it. Upscale. Oh, dope. No, we got a new song. I don't know how loud this is. So guard your ears okay, for I'm ready. a second. Might be crazy. <laughs> Hold on. 
All right. <laughs> and I love the uh, artwork too, is the cat. Yeah. <laughs> is that like a, a glass ball? Yeah, that's it? the like, orb. That's incredible. Hey, hey speaking of, this is perfect timing. Yeah, is, we're about to play Meow Monday. Is, uh, is Andre on this track too? Yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing. Wait, I'll pee up Meow Monday. Meow Monday. Yeah. Hell about yeah. to blast this. Welcome. Did you skateboard back like five miles? Yeah. Yeah. This, this is Andre's new Jesus. board. Oh, it's the Jesus board. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus board. Jesus skate tech. That's incredible. <laughs> can you like ride over water with it too? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you can <laughs> sail on water. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, free water at all their events, and if you're really in with it, you can turn it into wine. That's incredible. I love that. All right, let's listen to this track. I don't know how loud it's going to be, by the way. I can hear the cat samples. Yeah, that's Lou. (laughs) Shout out to Lou. section. Yeah, the sub went so hard on this bit. So is Lou getting her royalties on this track as well? It's a bit of a legal gray area because she's a cat. Meow Monday. Meow Mondays. Let's go. <laughs> I loved it. That was that was really sick. I could hear like a little bit of the different influences from following you guys for a little bit. Like mm-hmm. kind of hearing a little bit of both of your sounds kind of like tie in together a little bit. Yeah, we've been having so much fun just like actually writing shit again for the yeah. first time in so long. It's awesome. Straight into the noise bases. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lots of farts. Yeah. Lots of farts and screaming into <laughs> the mic. Screaming farts and giggles are like the themes of our music now. <laughs> I think I obtained about 10 recordings of Nolan screaming profane things in the first week. Yeah. Just because he was like, yo, hit record. And then he just starts like <laughs> yelling. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> this Tourette's coming out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It goes hard, though, you know? Yeah. You guys rage. aren't ready for how loud we are on these songs. I love that. We're going into the positive laughs. Yeah. That's, that makes sense. <laughs> that's when you know it's loud enough. Yeah. 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 Welcome back to the podcast, dude. By yeah, the way, thank you. Andre, aka Copycat. Yeah. Ep- whatever episode that was. It's been a while. Yeah. It's Probably been a bit. It's cool to be here maybe. in person now. This is oh, crazy. it's way better in person. Yeah. It's way more fun and way more drinks. Yeah. yeah. Way more drinks. So, so many drinks. So many drinks. It's going to be so hydrated. <laughs> I brought a bunch of different kinds. I was like just expecting you to pick one. And we just opened all of them. Oh, yeah. Which one is, by one, we're going to make it through all these. You should. Is there anything left in that cooler? We've we taken one pee break so far. Yeah. We yeah. need at least Can five. Can we do another Nootropics shot? We could. You want to? I actually yeah, yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you like another one? Yeah. Dude, let's go. Shout out to Magic Mind for sponsoring the podcast. They're like real OGs as far as oh, like. Oh, yeah. They're an actual sponsor. So it makes sense are. for yeah. us to do no. this. And they, yeah. they accidentally <laughs> sent me like another like well, 100 pack to my old address before oh, I moved and i messaged him i was like hey i'm sorry i moved like i don't have that anymore (laughs) and then i ended up getting it so now i just have like a ridiculous amount of so now we gotta get through them if anything we yeah (laughs) i'm just trying to help out (laughs) yeah but no that's i love that stuff man like it it's a good alternative to coffee although they say you could take it with coffee because it like reduces stress and anxiety and helps you like focus with like all the mushrooms and they call it like ceremonial grade matcha Whatever that means. Ceremonial grade. That's yeah, what they call what? it. Isn't that a derivative of the word ceremony? Like what? Yes, it so is. So you do, there's some sort of ceremony involving, actually that kind of makes sense. It's yeah, this is the it's, headiest shit ever. It is. Yeah. It's well labeled. I mean, it's really quality stuff. Matcha, agave, passion fruit, vanilla, red beet. This is Tassium. where I need a Jamie for the podcast because I would just tell him to go grab us more shots. Yeah. Wait, I can go grab him. Where, where do I got to go? Oh, there's the, the fridge, fridge right there. If you the take left. a left around the corner, there's the fridge over there. That's what I'm here Just for. grab three. I'll stock it again next week or whenever I come back. Oh, damn. There is so many mushrooms and shit in this. There's a lot of good stuff. This yeah, is let me, crazy. Let me read this off. I mean, it's long. The Magic Mind New Elixir patented blend is there, long. That's a, yeah. It's <laughs> a lot of good marketing terms in this. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm telling you, man, this stuff really works. I feel good after the first one. Yeah, you know? I, I can't tell which drink is doing this to me, but I'm feeling good. <laughs> yeah, it is hard to like tell. You've got a lot of drinks. Please consult a healthcare professional. You yeah, none of you guys are pregnant or nursing, are you? Because you're not supposed to drink this. We'll see. Yeah, my crumb gets pretty lit. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. All right, cheers, boys. Cheers, yeah. Make sure you give it a good shake. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it, get it. it does settle. There's a lot of ingredients in here. But yeah, shout out to Magic Mind. Thank you for this yeah, generous honestly. donation of theirs. Cheers. <sighs> yeah, one of these is like, I think six or seven bucks or something like that. Oh, it tastes so weird. It's not bad. It's very earthy. Yeah. Very earthy. Kind of tastes like shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's nice i like it it's, it's kind bad. of like a little bit citrusy it's like an all-natural shampoo yeah yeah kind of flavor actually it kind of tastes like passion fruit there's like a passion i think there's fruit passion fruit in it is there yeah i reckon there's a yeah 20, there's passion fruit 21 in there. calories it's pretty good like you could have like 100 of these in a day <laughs> don't tempt me with a good time <laughs> yeah, what, uh, what would happen can you can you have too much magic? You become mind? immortal. You just start yeah. tripping. Yeah. yeah. What happens to your baby if you're pregnant and you take this? They become immortal. It just becomes mega mind. <laughs> yeah. Really super smart. They just the least stressed baby. They never cry. Yeah. They're super productive. They're like doing your laundry when they're yeah. two years old. 
Oh, my mom's calling. Sorry, mom. I'll call her back. You get her okay. on no, yeah, let's, yeah, let's pull her up. Should I call? Should I answer? Yeah. yeah. Answer yeah. Well, you actually should. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> hey, mom, I'm on a podcast right now. Say hi to the people. <laughs> hi, Dan's mom. Yeah, everybody says hi. Andre and Nolan are here. Hi, hi. we miss you. Yes, the podcast mom. You've heard oh, it from man. here. All right. I'll talk to you later. Okay. <laughs> Love you. Bye. First time my mom's been on the podcast. That's that exciting. Was big. Amazing that was lady. Yeah. Sure. I really owe a lot to her. Like my life. Sad, and just pretty much everything in general that I've ever done. Was she yeah. here? Is she living over? No, nah, she's in Indianapolis. Oh damn. She's a retired nurse. She's really bored, so she just like picked up random shifts. Yeah. She's really she's actually like phenomenal musician. Oh, no oh yeah, she, she like she used to sing for like all these really OG old like Christian artists that were like really famous back yeah, in the day. That's <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, stuff. she she's she's a great vocalist. So yeah, she's pretty awesome. She used to like fill in and teach for my choir in high school, and I hated it because like having your mom as like a substitute teacher is like yeah, not, yeah. Not, a, not a vibe when you're going through puberty in high yeah, school, yeah. you know. <laughs> well shout out to your mom yeah Great shout out to your mom yeah she's pretty cool she's yeah, the best yeah. do you reckon she took nootropics while you're in the in the womb it's possible yeah either that or yeah you're a nootropics baby for sure i could be it's possible <laughs> i don't know <laughs> we should have asked her while she was on the phone mom she probably doesn't back. even know what nootropics is honestly yeah. she's even a nurse i feel like that's like a hipster term that's like a new yeah i don't yeah, i yeah. know i don't really know what it is either i, I know like what you, is a nootropic it's like it makes you smart by eating mushrooms that's yeah. the best definition smart, i can give bro. yeah according to webmd uh, the term nootropics first referred to chemicals that meet very specific criteria, but now it's used to refer to any natural or synthetic substance that may have a positive impact on mental skills. Oh my God. That is basically anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like eating food is technically a nootropic. Definitely that's, helps. That's really true. Three categories, dietary supplements, synthetic compounds, and prescription drugs. So pretty much anything is a nootropic. Health experts generally agree that taking prescription nootropics for FDA approved purposes, such as ADHD or uh, whatever that is, if you have Alzheimer's, can be helpful. It's basically just like a very broad word for mental stuff, yeah. I guess. Dude, install an ad blocker for the love of God. Dude, there's so yeah, many. I ads. like these ads. <laughs> <laughs> Minor joint pain? Take this drug. That's the crazy thing about like today in our like the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. It's just like you go to other countries and you can't advertise you can't drugs, prescription drugs. Like you oh, go to really? Europe. Yeah. You can't, I think they're like the only other place is like Switzerland or Sweden. One of those that two. That you can do that it? You can. Yeah. The U S makes and no fucking sense that you be able to advertise it. Yeah. The U S is one of the only countries in the world where you can actually advertise for prescription drugs. You can advertise anything you want in this country. Yeah. It's God bless America. Except for like <laughs> nicotine products. How does that make can sense? Can you not? How does Wait. that make sense? You can go to the doctor and get like, you're used to be able to go to the doctor and get Oxycontin, which is basically heroin, yeah. but you couldn't advertise cigarettes. Yeah. Like, that is true. I guess you can't really advertise <laughs> cigarettes. I, see, this is what's commercial. crazy is like, since I don't have like cable or anything anymore and I ad block everything to death, I feel like I see less ads than ever before at this point in my life. Like I, if I have to sit through like a 10 second ad, I'm like out most of the time. Yeah. I'm like, I don't need <laughs> to watch this content actually. Right. Which is, Fucking insane. I feel like before, like, I always, like, remember jingles 
from when I was like, you know, a kid and I would sit and watch cable and like half of it is ads, man. Like it is. Half of it. Oh, totally. <laughs> now you try and do that today. It's like, I can't, I couldn't, I can't even stand looking at this Tylenol banner. I'm like yeah. pissed. And now you, and now you get like a Hulu or like a base Peacock uh, subscription and they still show it's you ads. Yeah, ads. That's messed so up. You're yeah. still paying for ads. Like, how does that happen? <laughs> It's actually crazy to see all the streaming stuff kind of like dying right now because they couldn't maintain like it's all just kind of like blew up to the point that it was almost like cable again where you had to get like 10 subscription services to get everything. Yeah. Um, I heard like Disney Plus is about to like go under almost oh, what? like it's like failing. Yeah. I'm like Netflix is kind of the only main holdout. Yeah, you should look that up. that's what they're trying to do right now they're just telling you how to troubleshoot to reinstall it basically uh is it in decline oh disney plus subscriptions fell from 157.8 million worldwide to 146.1 million a loss of 11 million ish uh, more than doubling last quarter's record decline. Yeah. So yeah, that is going down, but they uh, still have $146 million after a, a steep decline. Yeah, they'll be fine. I mean, the writer's strike had a lot to do with it, it too. Did, yeah. Man. yeah, I mean, the whole AI thing is insane yeah. with like whole movies and like writing and scripting. and You saw that, they yeah. won though, right? Or like won in quotes. Well, whatever. We they got yeah, their terms. <laughs> but the, the only catch is that in three years, they're going to renegotiate it. But they got basically everything they asked for for now, which is insane. Yeah, like I mean, that's a little win. Yeah, that's a so that's total something. win for three years. And then the AI is probably going to be way exactly. better. And the studio's going to be like, yeah, now you can go fuck yourself. Well, I just saw an article today. I think uh, Tom Hanks is like either pressing charges or he's like being super vocal about some dentist company did like a full almost deep fake AI of him talking about their brand that he, <laughs> that he never did. And and then he saw it and was like, what the, yo, you can't do that. Yeah. yeah. And so then he like is trying to like go after him now. It's like, that's pretty ballsy as a company just to take somebody that famous. No one's going to know. He's got a nice voice. It's pretty stupid. Actually. <laughs> it's actually so dumb. So but dumb. It's going to be really crazy to see in the next couple of years, like yeah. how that all, because there's unavoidable. People are just going to yeah. do it anyways. For sure. Until they get away with it eventually in some capacity. And like, oh yeah, it's going to be a little nuts. I mean, the level of like bullshit videos you see of like donald trump and biden right now <laughs> yeah, saying, saying things that are just ridiculous it's like how are you even gonna know like in five years Eventually from now like what's real yeah. or not yeah well actually they're making ais that can detect if it was made by an ai wow that's, well, that's always the solution just throw ais at the problem yeah that's, yeah. <laughs> that's so interesting and then they're gonna make yeah. ais that can figure out how to trick the ais that tell if it's an ai <laughs> it's yeah. a never-ending an circle. ai inception yeah exactly just, yeah that's that's we crazy. won't even be using the internet it'll just be ai using the yeah, internet AI's and i'll be fighting off. each other yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly can't wait <laughs> just surf the internet for me today and tell yeah, me what yeah. i need to know yeah <laughs> that's pretty pretty wild man i feel like disney plus is in decline because their shows suck to be honest yeah like they were i think they boomed initially because they were making like cool stuff mm. like the mandalorian first season was mm. wild and there's a bunch of shows that were actually good and then oh man like because I, I was subscribed i think i'm still paying for it because i'm too distracted to cancel it but i'm like every show i watched one after the other just was like worse than the worse previous worse. yeah, yeah. So cringe. Yeah, I, I got my mom's Disney Plus account. So thanks, mom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get her on the phone. Shout yeah. out to mom again. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I did like Loki. Did you ever watch Loki? I'm not really into uh, Marvel yeah. that much. I'm not a big Marvel person. I mean, it's cool, but I really liked that one. That was a yeah. really good show, I thought. Yeah, I watched that. I liked that. That was good. Yeah, some of the Marvel stuff. I think the Marvel's the same, though. Like, I'm, I'm kind of... I'm, I'm not a Marvel fanboy, but I like the movies. I just mm. like superheroes. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think everything after Loki just got worse and worse. Like it was yeah, again the same thing. They just was like really ringing that they just Marvel. Gave up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Dude. Just make twenty more of these real quick. Yeah. I just don't see Hollywood, like mainstream Hollywood, pumping out original ideas anymore. It's always no. like something. Somebody wrote a book and they made a movie about it, or they're just like building off of some comic that existed you know 20 mm. years ago or something it's like i don't see a lot of really super high quality original ideas i mean it's the same with like triple a video games I, it's just that the stakes are way too high you know like when you're investing mm. like hundreds of millions of dollars into something you kind of need to be sure people will buy it yeah. and people are really predictable in the sense that like if they know of something already they'll just even if it sucks they'll get it you yeah. know what i mean like, how many new Star Wars things have they put out in the last five years that actually were terrible, but everybody consumed it anyways? Oh, 100%. Yes. Exactly. It's that predictability. Yeah. I mean, that's why Barbie did so well. Yeah. Like, that was huge. I mean, because yeah. they knew every, there was a huge fan base hey, you guys for know Barbie, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, if I had... I mean, think about it. If you had, like, three or four hundred million dollars just to throw at an investment idea that was a movie, like you wouldn't want to throw it at something that you didn't know was going to sell the box office. You'll never see that back. Makes sense. Same with video games. It's just like, why would you even make a new game when you can make call of duty 15? Yeah. No, it'll, Mm. you don't even really have to make a new game. Yeah. Cause people will just buy it or like FIFA. Like the fact that people still buy FIFA games is insane. (laughs) How many FIFAs have they made now? At one every year, like yeah, forever. Wow. I don't know. Yeah, the gaming industry is so insanely huge. Activision's Holy Megaton shit. Call of Duty franchise has now made over $31 billion. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, and it's like 90% just the same game. <laughs> yeah, it really is. They're just adding new like levels and characters, and yeah. that's so crazy. I, I mean, I don't blame them for it. It's our <laughs> fault for buying it. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> People stop buying it, they'd have to come up with something new. But yeah. Like monkey brain ad. <laughs> I was I was talking to uh, Morgan Page again about the like future of VR and outside gaming and how like oh yeah gaming might not even be the biggest use case for VR in the future. It could no, it could, it's going to be like human to human interaction basically yeah. of some sort. The Zuckerverse. <laughs> the Zuckerverse. <laughs> but even like I mean you know, he. You look at Tomorrowland, I think it was like 2021 or something. They tried to make like an interactive concert experience that you can hang out with your friends and like watch live music being streamed from Mm -hmm. the DJ in this like virtual world. And even though it was like probably way before it time, it's time and it kind of sucked. It was still kind of a really cool proof of concept that like it makes you wonder like 10 to 15 years from now. Oh, it'll totally you just sell yeah, tickets mm-hmm. to a virtual concert <laughs> that you're throwing down and all of the people, all of the people there can actually hang out like yeah. as if they were next to each other. I actually just did a show in VR chat recently. Um, <laughs> there's this guy, PK, who runs this label called um, King Deluxe, which is a sick label. Uh, but he's moved his entire thing from running this label where they his whole thing was like, get these awesome releases and then get really cool music videos made for them. Uh, that's like how we found his shit. Um, but he actually completely pivoted into 100% VR chat events, which made no sense to me. 
Um, but he was like, no, you got to come play one of these. And so uh, I like made a set for it and then like had no idea what I was getting myself into really. But the amount of effort that went into this VR chat show was so fucking insane because you can control the entire environment with shaders. And they had like over a hundred people in this room together. So it's like, it started in like this club and there's like all these people like gathered around this club and like the whole back wall would just, and like the ceiling and everything would just turn into like shader visuals. That was all audio synced and shit. And then at one point, like the whole back wall, of the room just breaks open and it turns into this giant, like natural environment. And there's like giant insects flying around and shit. Whoa, whoa, and everybody's just like walking around outside and like going, like walking up mountains and like watching the thing <laughs> from the top of the mountain. And then at some point, the whole thing broke and it just like ejected everybody into space. What? And everyone is just like flying through what? space. <laughs> and it's just like cracking up. And the music's still fucking playing. And like all is so chaotic. And it's like so crazy. They put so much effort into this thing. And it was actually an awesome time. But also like really jank like definitely yeah. not the thing we're talking about of like a real proper event in vr but i think that like we're already seeing that there's so much potential to break the mold of like a traditional show as soon as the medium is like oh you can just make anything you want in this little world and everyone will be in it together at the same time yeah they're like restrictions as to how close people can stand to you oh, no. in vr because i'm just no. picturing all these kids just like standing on you like it, like while you're playing there's just like all these like <laughs> shapes like just clipping in and out of your just view. running around <laughs> you in circles <laughs> while you're djing it's yeah. a weird thing because you t it's like real life right like i could come stand right next to you in real life but not people... if i'm playing on a stage like yeah you, know. you could you just be a dick yeah, you <laughs> just like bust past the security yeah. so you can stand next to the dj i mean straight up there's like people like would like a few people did like run up to the stage and sometimes people be like yo what are you doing man and i well, use their mics just come on while like you're in the middle yeah it's of all proximity so you can talk to people <laughs> like normal and like you can go and like actually like clip into a guy but they'll just be like yo what the fuck are you doing like get away from <laughs> me <Yeah. laughs> so it's like actually there's like a real like societal like social thing where like if you're a dickhead people will treat you like real life because they're most of them are actually in headsets too yeah. so when you go and clip into them they're like are looking down at you like <laughs> get out of here <laughs> um but yeah no it's chaos and you can like change your so you can be like 500 feet tall yeah and be like a duck or like anything you can change your avatar in real time and your size in real time and like i turn into a little rat and i was just like running around everywhere like <laughs> looking up at people it's amazing i want to be a 300 foot duck that's the dream dude it's sick <laughs> i wonder if anyone um actually got any footage of that because i'd love to show it to you guys um that's so cool I, i'll see if there's uh like something i can pull up on twitter but did you see the new msg sphere in vegas dude it's fucking nuts it's in did you see the inside of it yeah it looks absolutely it's absolutely ridiculous. insane yeah i want to see Oh, is this the big eye thing? Yeah, so it looks like yeah. a giant eyeball. It was it's not too long ago that they built yeah. it. Look at that. It's so the crazy. Basketball. It's huge. Just one Sports giant ball. LED screen. Um and Insane. like so you're looking at this massive circular screen basically. It's taking up half of Vegas. You look at the inside is is built the same way. So yeah. you're like in a, immersed in this whole new world. It's so crazy. Like I'd I'm love gonna, to see somebody like projecting just their desktop onto this. Yeah, just like moving icons around on this like massive ball. 
Yeah, it's incredible. Because <laughs> like if you, I'm trying to find like a a picture of the inside. Um, see if you can see what this looks like. Yeah, look at that. Well, oh, uh, we love ads. Shout out to the ads. Yes. So fun. Give Mario. me more ads. More yeah. ads, please. It's my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, I want to. I mean, I like Oreos, but this makes me like them less. Do they count as a nootropic? <laughs> technically, yeah. I think an Oreo technically is a nootropic. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's fast forward. Yeah, dude, that's so crazy. Oh, it's the inside. There are multiple levels, but oh, they built like a mall inside of it. Feel unique until you go into the the theater part itself. They came out, they started playing their first song. Old mate Bono. And then yeah, Bono, of gradually course. they started to show imagery on this massive screen behind them. It just fills up your whole field. Look at that, dude. The That's stage insane. Feels small in comparison. The stage is shaped like a turntable. There's a round. I don't know if we need this dude to explain this. Like, yeah. I can see it. We can see exactly <laughs> yeah. what's happening, but. We don't need your though. narration, sir. It's like a dome and you're inside yeah, of it you and it's projecting about images. about a sphere, dude. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so wild, man. Look at that. That's that's crazy. It's, actually it's an entire new world that you're immersed inside of. I, yeah, I hope some really cool people end up playing there. <laughs> yeah, of course Bono is going to be like one of the first people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you think about like how rapid technology has advanced. 2007, the first iPhone came out. And it was basically a brick yeah. that like was barely in color that could just do some cool basic stuff. Actually, you know what's funny is the video of like uh, when they first demonstrate the like touch screen where he's like scrolling the buttons and people are just like, yeah, yes. <laughs> like, oh my yes. <laughs> that's so good. It's amazing. It's crazy to think that the first one didn't even have apps. Like, it wasn't it couldn't really do fucking anything. Uh -huh. It was that like that page is all it had. <laughs> that was literally it yeah i mean the app store barely existed if it did i don't think it did i don't think first. it even did yeah, yeah it's like you could like use the calculator or like call somebody it's so wild like, man oh, that was 2007 so that was only 16 years ago i mean yeah. you think about how far we've come in 16 years since the iphone was invented it's insane dude 16 years from now it's like it's gonna be gonna... scary <laughs> Think about the nootropics we're going to have yeah, in 16 dude. years. <laughs> yeah, they did, probably didn't have nootropics back then. <laughs> they didn't you know, know what that was. That's yeah. why their shit sucked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they thought macaroni and cheese was like a superfood back then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, dude, it's crazy. Like all the crap. Like you guys, you guys have like your own FDA, but like I don't think half the stuff we eat in America is legal compared to what's in australia yeah or anywhere else or anywhere else yeah i mean it's insane like you yeah. guys have much higher restrictions on like diet and what's approved i mean processed sugar yeah, we don't yeah. Fuck out yeah you guys love your corn syrup out here there's like a lot a <laughs> lot of corn so, syrup. it's everything dude it's yeah. everything even coca-cola is different i feel like that's yeah. like the benchmark for me like coca-cola is. is just like the same everywhere but yeah. yeah you guys have like a corn syrup version here which is the normal one mm -hmm. and if you want the non-corn syrup one it's like coca-cola classic and it comes in this fancy looking bottle and you pay twice as much for it yeah yeah, yeah. Like normal coke yeah. yeah it's just normal coca-cola yeah. what happened to just like sugar that came out of a field yeah like, i miss those days sugar. yeah well we have too much corn to do that there's a lot yeah. you gotta use this fucking corn <laughs> yeah, you're trying to fix the corn yeah. problem viewers <laughs> they thought about just how much of america is corn it's yeah. actually terrifying yeah yeah it's insane man like battery corn starch is used in batteries 
Like yes. corn is basically used in like every food product we have in some capacity. Yeah, it's it's wild to think about. I think uh, we just have a lot of cane sugar in Australia as well. Like we have really? we have the, we have a cane sugar problem. We don't actually, but I just assume right. it's the, it's the comparative thing. Interesting. We have corn, we have cane. Yeah, I but mean, in yeah. cane, I'd much rather have cane sugar. Yeah. I mean, because it's a different type of like sucralose or whatever it's called that like how your body processes that sugar and breaks it down. Because like when I went to, I was in Africa and there's a lot of cane sugar in Zambia. And so I went to like a field and I just ripped out some stalks of, it's <laughs> yeah. like kind of looks like almost like a corn stalk type of thing. You just yeah. like rip it out of the ground and then like. We took it somewhere and then they would just like grind it and like smash it into like this syrup. Like I would just take a little tablespoon and taste it and it was like awesome. Like yeah. I feel like I could have eaten a bunch of it and not felt sick. Yeah, totally. But if you go Normal eat like a sugar. Twix, if you eat like two Twix bars, you're like ready it's definitely, it to get yeah. cracked out. You're ready to take a nap in like two hours. <laughs> yeah. It's so different. So concentrated. We are food's garbage. Yeah, it's wild. You know, the, uh, so the FDA... I think is like extremely corrupt. Have you well, ever have yeah. you heard of the new yeah. documentary series called Painkiller? It's really depressing. So like, if you're in a happy go lucky mood, like don't watch it. But <laughs> but it's based off of the true story of how OxyContin was created. And oh, long God. story, oh, yeah. it's wild, and it's supposed to be pretty accurate. Actually, I heard a documentary, or the guy that made the documentary, I heard him talk about it. But Purdue Pharma basically hired all these really cute girls to go out and sell oxycotton oh, to yeah. these doctors and like fresh out of college they didn't know it they had no medical training they didn't know anything these are like business college yeah. grads just lobbying doctors yeah essentially. and they paid yeah. them enormous amounts of money to go out and just hit on doctors and basically like push pills mm -hmm. to the doctor's patients and the only way they got the oxycotton drug approved in the first place is because it was actually denied by a guy and i forget his name but basically they Purdue Pharma, they ended up taking the guy into like New York City, some like penthouse suite for like five or six days. Uh, and after, bribed him. Yeah, that. they basically bribed him. And uh, I think it was something like six to nine months or something like that after he approved the drug. Uh, he quit the FDA and ended up working for like a subsidiary of Purdue Pharma, oh making like oh six figures. He yep. was making like 40 grand a year. And then he was like instantly making like 200 grand like yeah. right after that. Yeah. Above board cartels or something crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's insane. Some America awesome. shit. Yeah. <laughs> America. America. It's all about pills and corn, baby. Pills and yeah. corn gun and guns. I love this while eating sweet corn this fourth of July. Is that a thing? You guys eat you guys eat corn on America Day? Of course. Yeah, they do, yeah. <laughs> that just says it that says it all right. That's there. a real thing. Some corn, corn and watermelon and some yeah. hot dogs. Yeah. Wow. You need some corn-fed beef and some corn. Yeah. And some dogs. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have hot dogs in Australia? Yeah. I think everyone yeah, has hot it's dogs. The, I think that... it's the same. Well, like, do, you guys, do you guys call them glizzies out here? Is that a thing? No, what, what's a glizzy? I swear, what is a, a hot dog? Yeah, I feel like um, maybe yeah. this is just like TikTok shit leaking into Australia, yeah, but I heard some people say glizzy and it makes me laugh. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard Wait, that term. Google this. Actually, can you, can you Google uh, glizzy? How do you spell it glizzy? G-L-I-Z-Z-Y? Yeah, I guess so. Glizzy meaning hot, hot dog. dog. Yeah, okay. glizzy hot dog. Maybe you're right. You're right. Glizzy meaning hot dogs. Well, okay. usage of Thanks the term has been around for a while. It's only recently gained significant attention on social media, particularly on on TikTok, Glizzy is, Gobbler. Dude, TikTok's really educating the masses. Yeah. This is, this is the stuff people need to know. That's terrifying. No, I heard a statistic, something like, uh, what was it, like 70 or 80% of all the information that active TikTokers uh, consume is on TikTok. 
like eighty percent of their news and like yeah, information yeah, yeah. that they get is on TikTok. It's like where people go. That yeah. is the line yeah. I have drawn for myself. Is like I am becoming old now because I will never <laughs> get TikTok. I'm out. I won't fucking do it. Uh, I know. Me too. I refuse. Yeah. It's it actually makes me like sick to my stomach to watch people scroll on TikTok. It's <laughs> it's scary. Yeah, definitely. It really. I don't know. I feel like. I'm entertained, but slowly becoming dumber the more I spend time yeah, on TikTok. It feels yeah. like a thing designed to just like destroy your brain from the inside out. Well, I yeah. mean, the main motivation for the companies creating TikTok and all these social platforms is to keep you on the platform as long as possible. That's their main goal. Yeah. And Be addictive. And you look at it and you're like, yeah, this is just like screen drugs. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Did you watch The Social Dilemma? The documentary. Oh, is, the, oh um, is this the thing with Facebook and how they talked yeah, about how they like had they, all these things designed to make it as addictive yep. as physically possible? They interview a lot of the people, like the guy who created the algorithm for YouTube. Yeah. And a lot of these like really, really brilliant people who like created a lot of these platforms. And then they also interview a lot of psychologists who've been studying this stuff since the beginning. And it's like crazy how addictive they designed everything to be. And, I mean, yeah, it's the only way you can stand a chance yeah if you don't do that something else will and that's kind of the whole we want that that's the problem yeah Again, we're the problem we want to be addicted to right. the fucking video everyone loves it yeah <laughs> well and like we are the product too yeah. so like mm. w rather than us like using a product we actually are the product because yeah. of advertisers and just then like they're selling wording. information and just harvesting all of our our data. I feel like a lot of the people that like invent the algorithms, at least the ones that go on documentaries, maybe there's like a bit of like sample bias there, but hmm. I feel like a lot of the people that like invent these algorithms end up quitting and working for like some sort of activist like, society directly opposed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They try to like make <laughs> peace yeah. with the with themselves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sold their soul to the algorithm. Yeah. It does suck, man. But I think that like there are some beautiful things about social media though. Like Oh, obviously. For whatever reason, I'm I mean, like if I ever just need to mindlessly scroll or watch something, you know, or like if you wanted to connect with an influencer or another person who's a musician, like you really only had MySpace back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Like, and you know, obviously like I've connected with so many people in the music scene just through Instagram. Like, oh, so that's why we're doing this uh, shit yeah. right now. You exactly. know, I literally wouldn't be here yeah. without <laughs> social media. Exactly. So. <laughs> right. It's a necessary evil for sure. And it I is. think it's like, it's just how you use it. Right. Like at this point almost all the social media I use is just to like actually talk to people as opposed to just like other than YouTube, but YouTube's also gotten just like so shit in general because it, mm. it's the same problem of like the same way the algorithm is trying to be addictive. Everybody who's trying to actually be successful on the platform has to lean into the algorithm. So mm. it's just mm. like everything trends towards this, just make it as like short form and meaningless and loud and colorful as possible. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of that for sure. Yeah. I think it's also like the intention of like, like I have, I look at my screen time now, like I have a shortcut on my iPhone so I could just see how much time I have. Yeah, like yeah, there's certain yeah. apps that will actually lock you out of social media. Yeah. Which yeah. Like, I mean, if you're like addicted to social media and that's like a real problem for you, then might be worth downloading one of those and just like setting those boundaries for sure. Yeah, at least become aware of like, oh, I've spent like yeah. a third of my life the last week just like I don't even know what I saw. You know, that's the worst part is <laughs> yeah, when you, you scroll for like it. two hours and then you come back and you're just like, I there's 
that was a void. Like I yeah. just like disappeared from life for two hours totally. and I have nothing to show for it. <laughs> totally. Your eyes are glossed over. Yeah. This like, is why TikTok scares me. Cause it's like, not mm. as, it's just a pit, like a pit of people talking like this. And <laughs> fucking Jesus. Most of my TikTok videos are just like, uh, like dogs or yeah. like people playing with like pets, yeah. or like fun well, yeah. pet videos. Good or vibes. it's like, or it's like, um, like Afghanistan footage of people like fighting, <laughs> and, like bombing, real and, like, polarizing. It's completely opposite. Emotional whiplash. Yeah, I'm so confused. I was like, no, that's balanced. I love, that's I very thin. It's so like back and forth. I was like, how did I get both of those for whatever reason? Just feeding me combat videos and puppies. <laughs> Makes people no are definitely sense. designed to yeah do that. <laughs> Apparently, that's what I'm into. I don't know. Yeah, but sweet. <laughs> well, what about you, man? Like, we've had a great frequent episode so far. Like, what's going on in your world? Yeah, what are you doing? Oh, all day? man, I'm just fucking vibing, I guess. I came over here to play shows uh, and just, like, hang out with all the people I've been talking to on the internet for, like, 10 years, including this fella, which has been crazy. Sweet. Um, it's wild out here. Like, everyone just hangs out. Like, I th- I feel like so much of the, like, activity in the music industry over here is due to the fact that everyone is just, like, super social. Yeah. And people just get together and do stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's a cultural thing or, like, a geographical thing, but I've noticed, like, Australia is sick. Like, I, I love Australia and the music scene over there. Um, But people don't really sort of, like get together and just do stuff as much like they don't not all the producers connect everyone just kind of like sits in their house and drinks a twoies and you know makes beats by themselves um but yeah it's so cool over here everyone's just like super social i feel like i've met so many people in the last like few weeks just hanging out here awesome love that for you man yeah i mean it's definitely a good music scene here and i think the culture for the most part is pretty laid back um just like very Mm. social people are generally friendly a lot of bad drivers but there's a lot oh, yeah. of, a lot oh, yeah. of really friendly people i think for the most part in denver it's one reason i moved here too same reasons yeah. you said yeah yeah oh man the driving far out seen some seen some mad light exit rips when, oh, like, from the left lane just like <laughs> free form <laughs> yeah 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 very fluid fluid driving here it's funny because there's a lot of bad drivers that think they're good drivers i think oh, everybody yeah. thinks they're a good driver very rarely will people tell you i'm a bad driver everybody thinks yeah. they're the best <laughs> i'm just a passive driver i drive like a fucking 75 year old woman that's yeah. how i roll i roll nice and slow not stressed. i got the jazz channel on is like, it the weed yeah. though is that the colorado uh, weed i think yeah. it started with the weed and then it just became who i am you know yeah that's awesome i'm not willing to be stressed while i drive good that's how it should be man that's I, perfect. My parents are the my mom is the most aggressive driver I know. Me too. It scares the shit out of me. Same. I just like constantly. I'm just like, why? Like you don't have to though. Like you could just. It could just be chill. She's on a mission. <laughs> yeah. She's got to get places. She's on, she's the one on the road like screaming at people like me. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just vibing, just going like ten under. Just like we'll get there. She's just trying to get it's to Costco. <laughs> It is funny here, though, because there's not, like, a theme to the way people... Like, you go to, like, L.A., and it's, like, everyone is just, like, absurdly aggressive and just doing whatever the fuck they want to get to where they want to go. And, like, you expect that. So it's, like, part of the meta. But here it's, like, you have every guy. You've got, like, the slow-as-fuck guy. You've got, like, the insanely aggressive guy. And you've got everything in between. (laughs) Clueless people who are lost, just like, oh, no, I gotta go right now. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's true. It's very diverse here. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. I saw somebody blow drying their hair while they were yeah. driving the other day. Say, we got that fucking guy. I was like, <laughs> what is this lady doing? Oh, it's like, man. man. <laughs> Barely didn't have time before you leave. Oh, like, dude, I was that. No, it wasn't with you. When we were going to, <laughs> it was with Izzy and them. We were going to In and Out Burger, and as we're pulling in, there's this lady pulling out a canes, just brushing her teeth. <laughs> <laughs> the like, uh, hairdryer is something else, though. Like, how do you? How, is it battery operated? She's like you plugged into the console. Yeah, you can get like an adapt. <laughs> you get an adapter and like plug it in. Yeah, man, that's efficiency. She's really like yeah. really found the most efficient route to live our life. Yeah. It needs a bathroom. She's kind of swerving, and at first I was kind of mad, and then I'm like, you know what? Like, good for her. Yeah, for She's her. multitasking. Yeah. She's trying to get somewhere, and you know, maybe. I feel like she was really cost effective that she'd just stick a head Roll out the, the window. window. Yeah. That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. It'd probably look better if you just shove your head out the window, yeah. and, like dry it all at once. It's very dry here. <laughs> Wouldn't take long. Do the yeah. dog dry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you? So what's your upcoming shows? Like, what do you have coming uh, up? Next one is Salem. That's Wednesday. Um, man, there's so many places on this itinerary that I've like never been to, so it's going to be fun. Uh, but Salem, uh, Massachusetts, uh, and then I got Submersion on Thursday to Saturday. Cool. Which should be sick. I've heard a lot of good things about Submersion. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the Rust. Uh, they like a label. They're they're sick as fuck. Um, and then uh, I got Lunatide later on. Uh, we got a couple of dates with Coen Sound. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. And this boy going to be playing That'll with be Hudson dope. Lee. Yeah, That's man, I'm be cool. so excited for that. Yeah, for sure. That's crazy. Congrats, man. Yeah, be yeah thank you. Oh, man, it was sort of surreal Like, because like, I feel like I've been following Coen Sound since like 2011. Oh, yeah. Like, if I could go back to like my 16-year-old self and be like, hey, you're going to play this date when you're like 27, I would have lost my shit. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. That's probably about the same time I started listening to them, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they really are, like, kind of the reason a lot of this shit happened. Totally. In a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of other people involved, too, in that sound. But they were kind of, like, the central, like, the thing that everyone was yeah. obsessed over figuring out and, like, yeah, wrapping their heads around early on. I was like a massive bro step kid before Cohen Sound. Which, yeah, like that was the, that was the like big hard steer when Cohen Sound came in. And I think it was, I might have heard this stuff before this, but when Skrillex featured their like Kill Everybody remix, or yeah. actually Funk Blaster was on Alsler as well. It's crazy that they were like that plugged early on, and they yeah. like had the yeah they had the whole Alsler thing, and we're like I think they even played some shows with Skrillex out here. I don't know. True, yeah, no, that's I think, yeah, during the like Owsley era, I think they did. Yeah, I was too young to go to any of those shows, so uh, <laughs> I was too Australian to yeah, go yeah. to any of those shows. <laughs> it's a pretty long drive from Australia, yeah. yeah. yeah like, I got my Jesus boards, so yeah. You just ride water. that yeah. across the ocean, <laughs> <laughs> amazing, yeah, sick, dude. Oh, it was sick, they were such a massive influence. This might be one of the longest podcasts I've ever done, to be honest with you. Uh, it's yeah. like, when did we start? Uh, what, we started 30? around two thirty. So yeah, it's two hours. I guess that's not too crazy. Do you edit these? Uh, it's partially. Okay. I yeah. like do a quick cut and then I send it off to my video guy. He actually does video for Mr. Bill. Shout out, oh, yeah, shout out to Ryan. Oh no, Altbrax is his name. Wait, what? Yeah, A L T B R A T Z. Oh, Altbrats. Altbrats. I think I butchered that. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan. Sorry if I messed Sorry. that up, bro. Yeah, he's super cool, dude. Um, yeah. Shout out Gmail. Yeah. <laughs> you have All to like blur out this entire. Right. 
Yeah, A L T B R A K Z. Yeah, Brax. Oh, Brax. Sorry, dude. Oh, Brax. Messed that up. There you go. Yeah, he's he's a real MVP. Love that dude. If you ever see any of like the Instagram reels from the podcast, that's him. And the YouTube video. He does he makes me look good. Polo. Yeah. Editing <laughs> is such a slog. I have a few yeah, mates who like do YouTube stuff and they like never go outside. Dude, I had to buy so many new hard drives just for video files for the podcast now that I'm doing it in person. Because this yeah. is uh, eats up the crap three out of your hard drive. Angles. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. So much space. It's wild. We've learned a lot today from like uh, glizzy hot dogs to yeah, yeah. the Nyquist theorem. And yeah, we ran it all. Oh, you guys so went through the Nyquist theorem? We, yeah, he gave like us a quick flags. rundown. Yeah. Was, oh, quick, he gave a quick rundown? Oh, yeah. One like of the best explanations in person I've heard on this podcast. For sure. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm really good at explaining it. Yeah. That's why you're out here cheating. <laughs> and so humble, too. That's oh, yeah. Yeah. He's going to invoice you for that, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's $100 a minute. Yeah, we had a... When was your episode? You had your... Uh, uh, it was like May... Oh, it was either like May or March. One of the M months. Yeah, it was, it's been a whole, hot minute, man. I think it was like episode one. There we go. Oh, there it was. It. Right after Brian Funk. Episode 132. So it wasn't that long ago. It was February 14th. Oh, February. Wow. That was a while ago. Yeah, that it feels like forever ago. That was Valentine's Day. Oh, it so, was. That oh, was a cute episode. The, yeah, that's, that's a cute, really cute. episode. We, that was, about, we spent oh. Valentine's together and we didn't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Love that for us. All right. Well, we could probably wrap this up <laughs> so that way Ryan has less to edit later and I would love yeah. to continue to hang out all day, but yeah. I'm sure you guys also have things to do. So yeah. busy. God, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> busy. After later today. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm important. running late. <laughs> you don't want to miss that. <laughs> you can't miss that at all. Yeah, sick. But thanks for having us on, man. Dude, appreciate anytime. You. Anytime. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate what you guys do and I think you make some really dope music to both of you and... uh yeah, where's the best place, Nolan, to connect with you online if people want to hit you up after this? Mm, email me. Hit me up on Discord at Frequent Audio. Look for my website, frequent.audio. That will be dropping. Should be there by the time you, I really hope it exists. <laughs> by the time you hear this. TikTok in the meantime. Yeah, hit, yeah. On TikTok. hit me on TikTok. Yeah. MySpace. Sure follow lots of dog channels and <laughs> Afghanistan channels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, all the links will be in the show notes as as always, everybody. So make sure you go give Nolan, aka Frequent, some love and copycat as well. Yeah, dude. Bye. This is a pleasant surprise. I walked yeah. through the door. I was like, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Did not expect that. That was fun. I love gate crashing. Yeah. <laughs> anytime. You're welcome to come crash the podcast anytime you want. Man, I'm oh. totally gonna take you off on that. Yeah, do yeah. that. Be please. careful. Yeah. Just <laughs> so many new tropics. We're just yeah. gonna ruin your shit. That fridge is gonna be empty. You're not even gonna see me. It's Dude, honestly, gonna... it's not a bad thing. We have so much of it. But yeah, shout out Magic Mind. Shout Thank out Magic you. Mind for shout real. Out. Love them. Sick, dude. All right. Well, bye everybody. Thanks bye, for everyone. tuning in. Thanks, Dan. See you next time. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. Do me a huge favor if you would and hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening to the podcast. If you don't hate the podcast, please leave a five-star review. It would help me out a ton. Don't forget to check back on Tuesdays for new episodes. I plan on cranking out a lot more in the upcoming future. Also, if you didn't know, on Spotify, if you click on an episode on mobile, you can interact there and you can 
Tell me what you think about this episode and other episodes, and would be great to hear from you and see what you're thinking about the podcast. If you want to be the first to get new episodes and stay updated and get free new devices and sample packs and other stuff that I'll be sending out in the future, join the newsletter. Just go to liveproducersonline.com slash newsletter and or check out the links in the show notes. Make sure to give this guest a follow on the socials, give them some love for spending their time. And once again, thanks for listening to the podcast. I will see you next time. Later.